Suffocation, oxygen, DOA, born again Anesthetics numb the pain, new beginning, start again Pick myself up off the floor and find the strength I had before I am digging deep Television, tunnel vision, execution, exhibition Narcissism, indecision, desperation, lack of vision Take the pleasure with the pain Good, here we are. It's the end of 2018, and uh, I think we had a pretty good year. What do you think, Yen? Oh, I'd say we, we did pretty good. I mean, from from a numbers perspective, it took us how long to get the next 100,000 downloads? Not that, not that long. No, it was like four months. It was crazy. It, uh, it has kind of slowed down the last few months, and I think that a lot of... I, I feel like... We've had really good guests, but they aren't guests who are quite as active maybe on social media. And so they they aren't all sharing their episodes, which is, you know, we're desperately reliant on that because we, you know, you, they have 5,000 fans on Facebook or whatever. And you hope a small sliver of those people listen and then you hope a small sliver of those people subscribe. And we're just, you know, it, you got to have those to 
to continue to grow. And it's been kind of slow going the last few months, but the first half of the year especially was was really crazy. We had great guests and a lot of activity and it's been fun. I thought I should update everybody on my work situation since I brought it up the last time we talked with Sunny. So here's what was going on. I had been working at the same software company for about five years. They got acquired. Um, once the acquisition was final, the new company, I was already working for a really large company and then a larger one bought us and they laid off almost everybody, like 46, 4,700 people or something like that. And I had a feeling that would happen. And so my plan was, my hope was to stick around long enough to get a severance, build in a little bit of a break and then start a new job. And that's exactly what happened. So I heard from many, many people. I still hear from them because they're they're not completely up to date on our episodes saying, you know, I just heard about your job. I hope everything's okay. Everything is fine. Um, I have a new job. So far, it's good. Um, I am concerned that my last job that I, uh, I just had a ton of freedom, you know, I could work from home if I needed to. I came and went as I pleased. There was not a boss. If I had, all my bosses were also sort of friends of mine and they weren't even all working in the same building. So I, and I say this humbly, I was lucky. I had a lot of success there. And so I was, I kind of earned the right to be left alone and just do the job. And it afforded me a ton of time and freedom to do the podcast as well. But whenever you start a new job, I mean, you know how it is. You got to go all in. You got to really drink the Kool-Aid and you got to be totally present. And it takes a while until you find out sort of what you can get away with and, you know, how serious do I need to be and what what are the rules here? And so I, uh, I, I do think we'll eventually get there, but I'm a little nervous about uh, the new job impacting my ability to at least be as prepared as I like to be for our interviews, you know? So we'll see. I, um, I, the job seems fine so far. Everyone's really nice. It's a smaller company. It's still with software sales. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have the same kind of time or freedom that I had before to do the, as much research as I always did and listen to everyone's music and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully it's not too impacted. Anyway, what about you? How is your love life, Yan? Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's not too bad. Like, like, I'm waiting on a visa coming through, so. Okay. And where is she again? Do you, uh, How much can you talk about this woman? Oh, she's in Moscow. She's in Moscow. You mm-hmm. love the Eastern European... I guess that's not Eastern... That's just straight up Russian. But anyway, you love the, <laughs> those... You love those women. And uh, you've met this girl online... And we're not going to divulge her name, I guess, right? No. Okay. And um, do we? And we know she's a real person. Uh huh. Okay, we know she's a real person. You've sent me pictures. She's super duper hot. She's way out of your league. She's way out of most people's league. But we're just not going to let her know about that yet. We're going to just keep running with this, right? Because it's fun. It feels good to have hot girls want to talk to us. Of course. Always. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Great. No, I did say I did say to her that you'd said that I, I that she was out of my league. You did. She laughed. Well, that's not a knock on you, buddy. That's a knock on most guys. You know, I've seen this girl. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you're trying to get this visa thing worked out, and then hopefully she can come over and visit. Uh huh. Okay. And is there any opportunity for you to go there? I could. Okay. 
Yeah, I could I could do that. It's just okay. time with the amount of work that yeah. I'll have going on over the next, oh, let's see, the projects I'm going to be assigned to are going to be running until November of next year. Okay, wow. Well, all right. Well, maybe there's a three or four day weekend in there somewhere. Yeah, um, I'm sure there will be. And they'll yeah. have Nicholas again during the summer. So. Yeah, right. Um, does he think his dad is a rock star to have gotten to know this a woman as hot as this mystery Moscow girl? <laughs> uh, well, he he was uh, he was all over it when we when I got him the signed CD. I bet he did. <laughs> That's great. Okay, good. Well, uh, best of luck. I uh, I still am dying to know how this thing plays out. I think it's so interesting. Um, okay. Well, that's pretty much our lives right now. Before we get into kind of recapping things, I want to Although talk. I did. Oh, yes, please share. Yeah. I did. Uh, I did get a contact the other day that I haven't responded to yet from a, a group that wants me that wants to know if I'm interested in going to work in Finland for a long term. Really? Yeah. Are you? I might. That would be kind of that would be a really exciting adventure. And I did did debate on applying for a position in Dubai for um, for a, like a a tax free job oh. with a really good salary. Ooh. I'm not going to say how much, but it was really really good. Yeah. Really good. Okay. More money than I've more money than I've I've ever made in my life. Wow! Nice. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't apply for it. My son didn't want me to go. So. Yeah, that would be logistically kind of difficult. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well, maybe Finland will work out. I don't know. I mean, are you? I think we Americans, we you know, these are all foreign, exotic countries to us. But in Europe, they're not. They're just a you know, a quick hop, skip, and a jump over to a new uh -huh. country. It's not that drastic of a change. Do you look for opportunities anywhere in Europe, or do you like to stay oh, yeah. in Scotland? What's your What's your focus? And anywhere I can uh, effectively pedal my my skill set, I'll okay. go. Okay. Wow. Yeah. See, that all just feels like a major life change for us. Whereas you guys, it's like, oh, that's just the next country over. It's not a big. It's like moving to Idaho from Colorado or something like that. You know? Yeah. Not a big it's deal. about that distance. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, good. Well, maybe that would, boy, fin Finland would be a trip. Do you speak any Finnish? Isn't that like the most difficult language in the world to learn? It's probably right up there along with Hungarian. That's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah. Well, good luck, man. Hope that works out. Yeah, I'm debating on doing that. Okay. Because if, if I do, I have to go through a, a notice period and stuff like that. So. Right. Okay. We'll see. Okay, fun. Well, good. Okay, uh, so here I wanted to sort of announce to people some new, some changes that we might be making here, or at least some new projects. We recent when we had Kevin Armstrong on recently, um, I mentioned at the end how much fun it would have been to have discussed just a single record with him and go deep on it. And I, I started thinking, well, why not? You know. Why not do something like that? And so I think what we're going to do is once a month, 
we're going to try and start a new program called the Deep Dive. And I'm going to bring on some former guest, and we're going to go deep on an album that they worked on. And in some cases, it'll be a session musician who played on one. It might be the guy who produced it. It might be a member of the actual band. Uh, in some cases, it might be the most obvious selection of some big classic album, or it might be some obscure thing, you know? Maybe it's one we don't even like, but we can kind of hear the stories behind it and reassess how we feel about it. I've, so far, I've reached out, I've gotten confirmation from five former guests of ours that are uh, willing to come on and do this. In fact, next week, Matthew Seligman and I are going to be discussing Thomas Dolby's Flat Earth album. And I, and I use that as an example because the more obvious selection, which Matthew also played on, might have been the Golden Age of Wireless album because that's the one that had uh, She Blinded Me With Science. But I think the Flat Earth is a better album and more maybe even more interesting and so he and I are going to talk about it, and we're just going to go deep, track by track, what was going on, the history behind it all, what was happening, you know, any stories related. And uh, we're going to try and maybe put one of these out every month. You you think this is okay? You're okay with this, right, Yan? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I think this will be cool. Me too. I'm always trying to put less on your plate than more, but I think this would be a really fun one, you know? Uh, yeah, oh, I agree. I, I, and uh, Matthew Sagman was... was... And it was a fun guy. He so was great. That'll be, that'll be a good experience. Yeah. he. So I'll, I'll tell you some of the people who have agreed to come on. He agreed to come back on. Kevin Armstrong agreed to come back on and go deep on Iggy Pop's Blah 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 album. Uh, former guest Phil Spaulding agreed to come back on and go deep on the GTR album. There was only one, and he was a member of that super group. Producer Steve Thompson agreed to come back on. Now, Steve, he produced, he worked on Metallica's Injustice for All and Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, and he has talked about those ad nauseum, so it probably won't be one of those. But he's also done a million other things. I'm trying to, he left it up to me to decide, so I'm trying to figure out what I want to talk about. I'm not sure yet. And then we have another person who, I, I'm going to keep it as a secret because their episode has not come out yet, but I will tell you that he was a member of one of the most important and uh, revolutionary new wave bands, British bands ever. And uh, so he has agreed to come back on and talk about one of their albums. So I think this is going to be fun. It's certainly getting my creative juices flowing, you know, get some people coming back on. And we maybe we'll talk about, like I said, I mean, imagine like, you know, Alan Shacklock or Rupert Hine or these guys coming back and we go deep on some album that they worked on or someone like Gilson Lavis from Squeeze or Dave Gregory from XTC. I have, I have pretty good relationships with a lot of these people. So I thought, well, let's see if they'll come back and talk and we'll just go deep on one thing, you know? Anyway, thought it'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, I think and so too. Kevin Armstrong would be a good one too. I, I liked him. I did too. I liked him a lot. And I felt bad because it, I so wanted, I'll get more into this when we recap, but um, we were having, we just did not have a very good I, Skype connection. And it was really harshing my buzz because I was so excited to talk to him. But anyway, I'll save that for when we get to his uh, episode to recap. Another thing, do you like doing the recaps, Yan? What's your, uh, yep. what, how do you feel about these recaps? Oh, I enjoy them. Uh, I enjoy the, especially the ones where we had uh, 
Andy and Sonia on. Those were those were awesome. I totally agree. It's funny. Farah, my wife, I always say my wife. Listeners, her name is Farah. So if you ever hear me say Farah, like Farah Fawcett, that's what I'm talking about. Farah hates our recap episodes. And uh, I think she hates them because it's like one more, th- it's like more, too much content. You know, you're giving me more things I have to listen to. And uh, bless her heart, she listens to all our episodes. And so she's the loudest voice. So I, I'm always like, man, did, do anyone, does anyone care about these things? Do they like them? I'm not sure. I th- so I think what we might do is because of these deep dive uh, episodes, doing them monthly, I might can keep doing the recaps, but maybe move them to quarterly or maybe, you know, two or three times a month versus we did six this year, you know? Maybe that was too aggressive. I don't know. What do you think? I think quarterly would be fine. Okay. Now, a lot of this come, I, guys, Yan is our, MV, is our MVP here. You don't mind that? I mean, this, I, like I said, I, I'm always trying to take more things off your plate than pile them on. Are you okay with, with doing like quarterly recap episodes? You're the one that puts them together. Yep. That would be fine with me. Okay. Okay. Good. Well then, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll move these to quarterly. And as always, I just want to hear from you guys. Do you, if you like the recaps, if it's too much content, if um, I don't know, you're not interested in what we have to say. If you want more, whatever it might be, just tell us, and we'll factor that into our decision making. But I think now we'll do deep dives monthly, and recaps quarterly. And then there's one other thing that I wanted to mention. Uh, every now and then, I'll hear from a from a prior guest who is putting out a new album or putting out, uh, for instance, our very first guest, Bruce Blackman, uh, published a book, like a memoir recently. And he told me about it. And I'm sure I like Bruce a lot. I'm sure he was telling me because he would like me to help him promote it. And I get that a lot. I I hesitate, or at least at first, when I first started this, I if anything, if anyone were promoting something, I would actually kind of take a step back because that wasn't really the focus of what I like to do here. I'm trying to kind of be more introspective. And if somebody's in promo mode, that kind of kills it a little bit. But I quickly realized that if you want to get somebody to talk during their promotional cycle is the best time. And so I kind of got past that and I'm okay with it now. But I was thinking about maybe occasionally doing, you know, some kind of promotional promo corner or whatever, you know, and having Bruce come back or Arthur Alexander, one of our old guests. I loved Arthur. He finally put out that solo album he's been threatened to do forever. And it's great. Maybe he comes on and we chat about it for 20 minutes or something like that. What do you think about that, Yan? Oh, absolutely. I think part of the the goal here is to, to get those artists that we may not have heard from for a while or we didn't hear from so much. You know, so much they didn't have as much success as they would like we want them to get their stories out we want them to get their stuff out where people can hear it and hopefully buy it yeah uh, i agree i um i i've been i've seen us as different than a promotional arm even though that is starting to become more of what we do with like Chris White and the zombies. I mean, I'm starting to hear from publicists who are like, you know, so-and-so's got a new album out. Are you interested in talking to them? And uh, I'm open to that now, whereas I, I wasn't necessarily before. So I think we might do uh, some of these occasionally. Maybe we'll do two or three at once just to cut down on the amount of work you have to do or 
the amount of content we threw out there. But if you're open to it, I might start doing that once in a while. When people like Hilly Michaels uh, called me the other day, <laughs> good old Hilly, and he's working on some stuff. And he said, you know, I was, I, I have, we played phone tag, but he said, you know, I, I'd love to come back on and talk about it. I thought, well, yeah, let's, I mean, if somebody wants to talk to us and we have listeners who hopefully care, maybe we give them that platform for a few minutes, you know? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Good. I wanted to bounce that off you. And I'm, I'm, as always, I'm curious what the listeners think. Um, if you care, and there's always the delete button. If you're not interested in hearing about Bruce Blackman's book, then you don't have to listen. But I, I think it might be worth it, especially if we want to evolve or continue to evolve. We probably need to play that game to some degree. You know, we probably, if we want to help these people, we want to, we got to promote what they're doing. And I want, that's the whole point of this is to draw some attention on artists that maybe you haven't thought about for a while, you know? So anyway, I think we might do some of those. All right, let's get into the recapping here. We're going to focus strictly on November and December. And then we're going to later on, we're going to count down our top, you know, our top 10 episodes of the year. We'll go over what the top five that you guys voted on. And uh, then we'll do some listener questions that were um, submitted. So first and foremost, at the beginning of November, we did Lee Rocker from the Stray Cats. Were you a Stray Cats fan, Yan? I hadn't really listened to much of their stuff before that. Uh, really? It's, it's good though, yeah. Yeah. They were huge when I was a little kid. And um, and so I've always liked them. I, I will admit that I, <laughs> so, fun. so when I went to LA two years ago to record an episode of Rock Solid with my brother, we went and saw the Blasters in concert, and um, I'd always, I'd never seen them, and always wanted to. And we get there, and there are five opening acts, and each one is a rockabilly band. And by the end of the night, I was so sick of rockabilly music, I thought I never want to listen to this again. And in fact, one of the openers was Slim Jim Phantom, Phantom who's a member of the Stray Cats. I like the pop songs that the Stray Cats had on the radio but so much of too much rockabilly just sounded the same and that night kind of did me in but um so anyway that's my relationship to rockabilly these days i had wanted to have lee rocker on forever i've contacted him a couple of times never heard back then i saw him post on facebook that they're doing this pledge drive for his new dvd and as i just said now those are the moments when people might be more willing to talk so i followed up and sure enough he was we had an okay conversation. The sound quality I didn't think was great. Um, whenever an artist or a guest insists on calling me, uh, I can't do Skype, which means I can't, I don't have, I don't have like a microphone. Anyone out there knows how to like, just, can I plug a microphone directly into my cell phone and talk that way? I don't know. I'm sure you can, but I don't know how to do that or what you do. So. Anyway, he called me and I had to use that tape-a-call app, which I use in case of emergencies on my phone. Uh, he was fine. I didn't feel like he was very introspective and he was in promo mode. And they just announced that they're reuniting and going out on a big tour. So, of course, he's not going to say anything too untoward, any of his bandmates. But I was really glad that I finally got the chance to talk to somebody I'd always wanted to talk to. And then he didn't share his episode, which kind of pissed me off because it was like, Look, the whole point of this is to help you promote your pledge drive. And we put it out in time to for our listeners to get involved if they wanted to. 
the least you could do is just share your episode with people, you know? It drives me crazy when people won't do that. And I don't know, I don't know whether to take that personally. I don't know whether it's because they think we suck or I suck or I offended them or they're just too busy or famous or popular to think about such things. I never know, but it drives me nuts, you know? Oh, I don't worry about it. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, man. I'm always concerned that I've bothered somebody, you know? Uh, I, no, I mean, really, from my from my perspective, I'm pretty laid back. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. It, none of that stuff bothers me. Okay, good. Well, then I won't take it personally. And uh, thanks to Lee McCormack from the Tramps Like Us podcast. for uh, I knew that he was a... I normally like to keep these things secret, as you know. But I knew that he was a Stray Cats fan, and so I threw it out to him. Hey, if you have anything you want me to ask, go ahead. I may come back to that in a minute, by the way. It relates back to one of the questions a listener sent in. So that was Lee Rocker. Uh, Steve Barton from uh, Translator. So I will say right now, there are times when I worry that an episode will only appeal to the diehard fans of the people that we're talking to. I do my very best to make these things as universal as possible. That's why we I try to focus on, you know, feelings and how were you feeling when this happened and transitions and sometimes the music too because then we can play a little bit of it. So if someone doesn't know who Steve Barton or Translator is, they hear a song, they like it and it kind of hooks them in. That was one that I was really concerned about may only appeal to the people who really like Steve Barton. Uh, I don't know that there was much fireworks outside of uh you know translator fans but thankfully after it came out i heard from a couple of people who loved it and thought it was one of the better episodes of the year which really um surprised me but also kind of humbled me so i i never know and i gotta say a huge thanks to one of our listeners jed bodwin he i had had steve in mind for a long time steve went on jed's show uh strange currencies and that kind of sparked me getting more uh, feeling more urgency about tracking Steve down and so Jed helped me do that so thank you to Jed by the way um, were you familiar with Translator or his solo stuff or anything like that Yan? I wasn't and I think that that one and the next one were the two that Aaron sat in for me isn't that right that oh right. I think you're right that's right I forgot all about that yes okay yeah, yeah. I, you were you had to work like long hours for a couple of weeks there, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We had a we had a major upgrade going on, uh, so there was a piece of software that the that the bank uses that was already in extended support. Okay. And extended support ends fairly actually fairly soon, so it had to be upgraded mm. in fairly short order so i spent quite a bit of time working a lot of hours that's right i forgot all about that so yeah aaron syrett the original uh producer he stepped in and did those episodes for us i forgot all about that that's right okay um so yeah i uh i like translator and steve barton a lot but i wasn't sure if that one would translate so to speak to other people who weren't already familiar uh the next one though steve diggle man i uh who knew you know who knew that 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 just a matter of weeks later, Pete Shelley was going to die? You know, I, I'm 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 so glad that we got him. Me too. That we got Steve. Well, when we got him. I know. Me too. It. Uh, I had I had reached out to the Buzzcocks people 
couple of months prior and I originally reached uh, requested Pete I didn't really care but I thought Pete might have I, I you know I find his uh, fluid sexuality sort of provocative and interesting and I thought it'd be fun to talk to him about it you know so I went to him first and the, their people came back and said you know yeah Pete doesn't do a lot of interviews anymore sorry and I said well then let's talk to Diggle how about Diggle and they said yeah sure so it, it worked out and it probably the lead time on most episodes most interviews before they come out or sometimes anywhere from like four to four weeks to three months and I think that one probably came out maybe five or six weeks after it was done and uh, he didn't share it, which doesn't surprise me. The bigger the name, the less likely they are to share, I'm finding, because they don't, they don't care. They've done a million interviews, and, you know, they're doing us a favor. But I was really glad that Steve got on there. And, um, and then I think it was two weeks later, I'm on the treadmill. This is during that down period between my jobs. I'm on the treadmill running, and I get a message from you. Pete Shelley just died. And I couldn't believe it. So yeah, I was sitting watching that and saw the BBC headline pop up. Like, oh, no way. Oh, and maybe that was why he didn't do the interview in the first place. It was because he was uh, wasn't feeling well or whatever. I don't know. But Steve never alluded to that. And then you know we turns out we created this little piece of important history that we didn't even know about. I don't know if that may have been one of the last interviews Diggle did before. Pete died for the rest of D Diggle's life. He's going to have to be talking about Pete in the past tense. and But he didn't have to do that with us. And maybe that's one of the last ones. I don't know. But anyway, um, were you a Buzzcocks fan? Are they? You're in the UK. They're probably more omnipresent over there than they are over here. I haven't really had much of their stuff you know, being played, you know, but they're, they're good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the original 70s stuff is amazing. Um, it's all really good, but they will, I mean, their, their original stuff kind of takes over everything else they've done. It's so perfect. Uh, I was really glad after that, we got Brian James. Did you come back on for Brian James? Was that you? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I did. I love that one. And I was really proud of it because, uh, I, I like the damned, but I loved Lords of the New Church. And I thought, I'll be honest. So one of the reasons I don't tell people who we have coming up is because Tuesday mornings when I post that picture of what's coming up later in the day, I get such a rise out of that. I love, I love, I imagine, and maybe no one cares, but I imagine there's people out there who are like, it's Tuesday morning, I can't wait to see what John, what picture John posts so I know what's coming later. Maybe that is, maybe that doesn't actually happen, but if it does, that's what I get a rise out of. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Good, yeah. So, okay, I do too. And so I'm imagining posting this picture of Lords of the New Church and people being like, really? You're, that's what we're going to talk about this week? And I, that gets me really excited. You know what I mean? And yeah. I thought he, he was so nice. And I loved when he was talking about Guns N' Roses covering The Damned for even their album that was that completely tanked, but that it, he made enough money off of that move his family to France, which he had always wanted to do. That was a, such a fascinating little bit of information there, you know, of how this all works. I loved it. Uh, I really loved the music that was in that one too. It yeah. great stuff. Me too. He was great. I was really, really proud of that one. 
Uh, and then Chris White, as I mentioned before, uh, his publicist, who I have a relationship with, she said, you know, are you interested in all in talking to the, to the zombies? And I was like, absolutely. I would love to talk to the zombies. That would be great. Um, Chris, this is another one where super nice guy, uh, kind of also though in promo mode. He, I think, I have a feeling the, the publicist was just lining up interview after interview after interview. In fact, we, we, I shouldn't, we cut it out, but he told the same story twice. And I'm sure in our like 40 minute conversation, he told the exact same story twice. And I'm sure it's just because he's so used to telling, spitting out these stories for all the different you know media outlets that he's doing interviews for. And um, so I, I understand, but I think because of the timing of it, when it needed to come out for voting for the Rock Hall, and the fact that it was mostly, we you know, we weren't getting too deep or introspective, I thought it made a little bit more sense maybe as a bonus episode. Are you, uh, were you a Zombies fan, Yan? I, I, you know, I, I was familiar with a couple, some, some of their stuff. Yeah. I mean, I played the first opening few notes and stuff of the of what was coming to to my dad he's like oh and and it was the time of the season yeah 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 so he he knew immediately yeah the i played that he knew the singer yeah yeah and they got into the rock and roll hall of fame i think they owe us a thank you for that don't you i I voted for them (laughs) i probably shouldn't admit this i didn't vote for them uh, I feel really guilty saying that, but I, um, so first of all, I felt like this was a, this was a year, the, the class this year of options, every one of them to me seemed like somebody who should have already been in most likely, you know, a lot of them. And I mean, Kraftwerk, I'm still baffled. Kraftwerk and Devo, why are these guys not in already? That doesn't make sense to me. And uh, so I just zombie weren't in my zombies weren't in my top five, and I like them a lot. But I if you, oh, I I feel guilty saying this, but they really have like one great album that is super obscure and beloved by um, a small group of people, and like two hits. And as great as they are, and as great as Odyssey and Oracle is. I don't know if that's quite enough to get in, to merit the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but wow. I'm totally okay if I'm wrong, and I'm glad they got in for them. They're all really nice guys, and the music's great. You know what I mean? Yeah, I went and bought the album afterward. It's great, isn't it? Oh, it is. Oh, so good. Care of Cell 44 is one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. The first track on it. I love it. Um I rem- I'm reminded when I think about them, and this has come up on the show before, but I heard this from the writer Chuck Klosterman, so I can't claim it, but it is more important to be l- deeply loved by a few people than it is to be liked by a lot of people. And I think that's what did it for the zombies, is that a few important, influential people feel so strongly about them that they it merited getting in, versus people like me who are like, yeah, I like the zombies, you know? They're, because there's not enough passion behind that kind of fandom. Anyway, that's my thinking about the zombies. Kevin Armstrong, as I mentioned, the guy is behind so much of my very favorite music. I was so looking forward to this one. I was really bummed that the Skype connection was not better. Yeah, it was really taking me, the, the it was impacting my ability to be as conversational as I like. 
and being as connected because I would be afraid that if he would say something and I would follow up on it, then we'd lose connection and it was taking more time than I wanted and there were so many other things I wanted to get to. That one was interesting because Matthew Seligman put me in contact with Kevin and I had contacted him almost a year before that interview actually happened. And probably two different times over the course of that year, we had scheduled times. And one time I remember because of the time difference, we were going to talk at 5.30 in the morning, my time. And so I got up really early. I get at the computer. I'm still a little groggy, but I'm ready to go. And he cancels at the very last minute. And uh, I'm so bummed because I got up early for nothing. Uh, eventually, I'm at work, and he pings me at work. He says, John, I can talk right now if you can. Like, well, I'm at work. Let Give me 45 minutes to catch a bus and get home, and we'll do this. And going back to the freedom I used to enjoy with my old job, it was I was able to do that without a problem. So, yeah, I pack up my stuff. I hop on the bus. I get home. I ping him. We have this great conversation. And um, I loved it, but I was concerned that the sound quality and the the kind of glitchiness of it was going to ruin it. But I, I heard mostly really good things about it. I think a lot of people like that one. Yeah, I, it was glitchy. There was a lot of work for that one. You cleaned it up very nicely, by the way. Thank you. It, yeah. it was, I actually thought it turned, after going through that, it turned out really, it turned out pretty good. I thought so too. I need to learn to relax because most of the time when I, I'm concerned about that stuff, you do a masterful job of, fixing most of it so it's not as bad as I'm always afraid it's going to be and um, he was great and he contacted he's putting out a new album March 21st I want to say 21st or 22nd I can't remember but he pinged me the other day and said what's your address I'll mail you a copy so I'm excited for that and I'm gonna uh, he agreed to come back on and talk about blah 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 so he and I should be talking again sometime in the next month or so and uh, we'll oh, go cool. deep, yeah, we'll go deep on blah, blah, blah. Super great guy. I love him and Matthew and these these session guys who played with a million people. I love talking to those guys because they're just full of stories. So anyway, okay, I love that one. Uh, he's turned out to be a really good guy. Jeffrey Osborne. Are you familiar? Were you familiar at all with Jeffrey Osborne? You probably knew some of those ballads, maybe. I hadn't heard much of the stuff, but oh, I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's been one of my favorites forever. So there's this fun little story behind this one. And I uh, like R&B, by the way. Yes, good. Me too. And I wish we could get more. I wish we got more R&B guests on here. Um, I don't know if our listeners, if that's really in the wheelhouse. Although I did put out a little poll. And it, by the way, anyone who, for better or worse, yeah, we're stuck with Facebook as being our primary source of connecting with our listeners, you know. And so um, I try to make it be as interactive as I can. I put out a lot of polls. I'm interested in what you guys think, what you, your comments, your thoughts on things. So I did a little poll to see if our listeners cared about R&B, and a lot of you do. And so I'm really glad to hear that. I wish we got more, more um, R&B-related guests on here. So let me tell you a quick story about how this one even happened. Um, a couple of months ago, I was contacted on Twitter, which I admittedly don't use all that much. I don't really get it. But anyway, um, I was contacted on Twitter by a music writer named Michael Gonzalez. And he is, had been assigned or was planning on writing a, an article on PM Dawn. And he said, you know, I've been... Your interview with 
DJ Minute Mix, Eternal, Jarrett, whatever name he wants to go on. I'll call him Jarrett. But anyway, DJ Minute Mix from PM Dawn is like the only thing out there for years, you know? And uh, he said, I interviewed them back in the 90s, and I was wondering if you could put me in touch with Jarrett. And uh, so I, I said, well, let me check. So I took a chance, and I texted Jarrett from PM Dawn. I said, I don't know if you remember me, um, but a, a journalist who says he knows you contacted me on Twitter and wants to know if he can get in touch. I send it. Like two minutes later, Jarrett writes back, John, of course, how you doing? It's great to hear from you again. Yeah, I remember, Michael. Send him my number. By the way, I'm working on new music. As soon as I'm done with it, I'll send it over to you and see what you think. I mean, PM freaking Dawn is texting me <laughs> like it's no big deal, you know? Yep. Blew me away. That's still one of like my proudest episodes, by the way, is the fact that they talk to us. And they don't... I mean, they, it's just him now, unfortunately, but... I don't know if he doesn't get asked to do a lot of media. I don't know if he turns it down. I don't know what the story is, but um, he talked to us, man. That is yeah. miraculous, you know? Yeah, and it's stuff like that that make, you know, things like that that make me coolest dad when I, when I get <laughs> Nicholas the, the same CD from uh, From Creedence. CCR, no kidding. Is yeah. that great? Yes, yeah. I know. Oh, oh, so I should finish why I even mentioned all this. So uh, I sent Jarrett's number back to Michael, and Michael was like, hey, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. And I said, and he had sent me an article that he wrote on the band Climax, this all-girl R&B group, who've actually been on my list. I may go uh, reach out to him. He's going to put me in touch with Climax. Anyway, so I said, well, we're talking about R&B here. There are two people that I have always wanted to inter interview, and I, have, I cannot... For the life of me get in touch with either of them one is jeffrey osborne and one is james ingram and he said well i would think they would be easy enough to find and i said well you'd think but i can't get a hold of either one and i don't know how to do it and so he put me in touch with uh well he put me in touch with somebody who he thought was jeffrey osborne's publicist turns out she wasn't but she put me in the chart in touch with the one who is and uh that person juanita also handles Bobby Brown and she said are you interested in all in interviewing Bobby Brown I said absolutely and uh, so and the original publicist he put me in touch with handles New Edition uh, aka Belle Biv DeVoe and she said are you interested in talking to them I said absolutely yes yes <laughs> so, so neither of them have happened yet I hope they do I can imagine it might be a little slippery getting these guys uh, locked into an interview, but uh, hopefully in the near future, I'm able to interview Bobby Brown, of all people, and Belle Bib DeVoe. I, I mean, that would be a dream. So anyway, huge thanks if you're listening to Michael Gonzalez for making that happen. Uh, and I love Jeffrey Osborne. And my mom, and or I'm sorry, my wife, Farah, and her mom, my mother-in-law, who listened to every episode, they love Jeffrey Osborne. So I guess the ladies really got behind our J.O. episode, which is good. Uh, next up oh, was, was a good one too. Yeah. He, was, he was really interesting. He was a, a really nice guy. I liked him. I did too. And, um, I loved his, I, I love talking to the people who I have loved for years and years. Cause I feel like my enthusiasm for them warms them up to talk more than they might otherwise to just some buddy who's, you know, doing the promo on the promo trail. So I was really glad that I have 
35 years of emotional investment in his career. And I think he saw that and that kind of warmed him up to talking even more. All right, next up is Derry Grayan from Honeymoon Suite. Do you remember that band at all, Yan? Did you recognize any of those songs? I had, I'd, yeah, I had heard them. Yeah. I just hadn't heard them for a long time. Right. So I have had them in mind for a long time. I, um, I wasn't as into, I'll lump them into 80s hair metal, even though that's not really what they were at the time, but I was not into that back at the time. I've only come around to it the last few years, 10 or 15 years, and now I love it. And I especially love them because they're very melodic. They remind me more of like the best, I'm not a huge Bon Jovi fan, but when Bon Jovi is good, they're really good. Or a band like Night Ranger, or you know, even Great Foreigner, that kind of stuff. I really like the melodic rock. And these guys were so good at it. And so I finally contacted them and uh, got to talk to Derry. And that was another one of those interviews while, where while it was happening, I was sure that he just hated me. He uh, seemed, maybe he was just overly polite as a lot of Canadians are, but I just thought, this guy does not like me. He's not like telling, giving me much here. I'm trying to kind of warm it all up and it's not working. And um, he probably doesn't like me, and he's probably regretting that he was that he agreed to do this. And uh, I should probably just kind of get in and get out. And so that's why that episode's not very long, is because I just I was sure that Derry hated it and that um, it was going to be a terrible episode. And then, sure enough, we put it out. They loved it. They promoted it. Our Canadian listeners are by far, them and the Australians are the most passionate. You, I'm sure you see these messages too, Yan. Every time yeah. an episode from Canada or Australia comes out, all these people come out of the woodwork. Thank you for representing our country. Please talk to this band, talk to this band, talk to these guys. Thank you for shining a light on whatever music. It's so funny. You guys are by far the most passionate. It's crazy to me. And I don't even think about a band being from another country very often. I just assume everyone's listening to the same stuff, you know? Uh-huh. But sure enough, I, they don't view it that way. Yeah, and I saw that, the, the guy, uh, I'll need to go back and look, the, the guy from, the person from Quebec. Yeah. Talking about, uh, messaging about the Terry Gray in the episode. I felt like responding to them in French. <laughs> you should. You should. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that one ended up being one of the contenders for our best of the year. And I just had no idea. I was sure that Derry hated me. By the way, I should mention, uh, I should mention, so everybody was like, John, why didn't you ask him about the Pepsi commercial? I didn't know about the Pepsi commercial. Otherwise, I would have. I wish that I had. I heard him on the Double Stop uh, podcast after. I, I probably listened to it back when it first came out, but had completely forgotten about it. Um, but I listened back to that interview later after ours came out, and they talked about it in there. So if you want information on the uh, Pepsi commercial, I would look up the Dairy Grand episode on the Double Stop podcast, and they go in deep uh, information on that one. So anyway, and I had a few people ask why we didn't talk about The Monster Under the Bed, one of their sort of unsung albums. Again, the reason was I was positive Derry was hating me. And so I thought, well, let's, we should probably just kind of get to the nuts and bolts and get in and get out. And that's why I did it. And now I regret it. And because um, I think maybe I was 
I was totally misreading the situation, which happens a lot if you remember Jesus Jones. And I thought, well, maybe I'll see if Derry wants to come back and we do a deep dive on this Monster Under the Bed album because that seemed to be what a lot of people wanted to talk about that we didn't get to. So anyway, I'm almost always wrong about these things. That one turned out fine and they promoted it and seemed, people seemed to love it and I was sure no one would like it. So I'm almost always wrong. Anyway, and then there's Chris Dunn from uh, City Boy. Did you know City Boy at all, Yan? I didn't, but yeah, you know, when they've got Mutt as, as their produ- yeah. producer, yeah. it's, it's going to be good. Yeah, I they're pretty obscure. And again, that was another one that I was sure only the fans would care about. But then I ended up hearing from a lot of people who loved it. He was great. He told so many great stories. He was such a funny, affable, you know, um, introspective guy. I loved it. So when it's the holidays, I sometimes will put out episodes over the holidays, at least the last two years I did this, where I thought, eh, people are busy. They're focused on other things. I'll probably put out ones that um, may only be for the fans. And I thought City Boy might be one of those. And I wanted to put out something that tied back to Christmas, but I didn't have anything in the can that did. And so the only tie I could come up with was, his name is Chris, so Merry Christmas. And it's coming out on Christmas Day, and so we'll kind of promote it that way. But I was I was afraid that only City Boy fans would care about it. And I thought, well, everyone's focused on Christmas. Maybe they won't, you know, they'll move on with their life. But that one ended up doing really well, and people seemed to love it. Again, it was another one that was brought up a lot for best of the year, and I just had no idea. I'm always wrong. So a huge thanks to Rob Disner, one of our listeners, for making that one happen, or at least helping it happen. Thank you, Rob. And I thought that was that was interesting, the whole experience about the the equipment rental. I know. I actually found that really interesting. I did too. And that, that was an angle that we've never explored on here before. I'd never thought of it that way. If you're a rental company and you you know, someone's trying to unload some gear and you think, well, if I buy this microphone for, I don't, I'm just throwing it, $5,000. I have no idea what it costs. But I rent it for this amount of money. In two years, I should make X amount of money from this microphone. You know, I never thought, I. you don't even think about that side of the business, but that's what happens. And he made a really good living off that for years. So interesting. Yeah, I couldn't believe that you know, the, the prices some of that stuff went for. Yeah. Like, oh! <laughs> yeah, who knew? But, you, you know, you think about it, these, the equipment's got to come from somewhere. And especially in yeah. New York, where there's the power station and um, all these, uh, at the time anyway, big production uh, studios and everything. They got to stock it with something. And Mutt Lang, I'm just, you know, he comes in to the power station and says, I'm going to need five of these and ten of these and four of these and three of these get them in here and chris says okay and he loads up a truck and he brings it all to the power station and they make an album i mean i just i never think about the logistical side of the music business but that's what was going on so anyway um and you mentioned it i should reiterate a huge thanks again to yeah to aaron our og cyret for producing a couple episodes in this last uh sequence he always does a great job and we're really lucky really lucky to have him to back you up sometimes all right so we're going to count down our top 10 favorite episodes of the year 
Last year we did five and I was ready to do five again, but I basically had, I couldn't keep it to five. We had a lot of really good ones this year. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was so many more I could have stuck in. I'm like, oh. Me too. Me too. And there were so many that I, there were, there are several that mean a lot to me personally, like Neville Staple is, uh, I mean, I cannot tell you the impact that the specials had on me as a young kid. That was major. Now, was it everyone's cup of tea? I don't know. But that, I mean, it was, so I, we had some really great guests this year. So I thought, well, let's not limit it to five. Let's do our top 10. Um, why don't you go first, Jan? Who, let's go 10 to one. Count us down. What was your number 10? Oh, and I should say, I don't know that you, it looks like maybe you didn't do this. I did. I didn't include bonus episodes in this list. So I love Jackie Clary. I loved having, you know, Blair Foster and John Ronson. Was that his name? The guy who did the Mark, the Mick Ronson, John, I can't remember. John Brewer, John Brewer. Um, John Brewer. Yeah. And our, and our recaps and the things I did with Paul Underwood with Glory Days Radio. I love those things, but I, I stuck specifically just to our Tuesday definitive episodes for this countdown. And I, so I want to say no disrespect to anybody that was a member of a part of a bonus episode. I just stuck with the Tuesday apps. Okay. So you go ahead. Okay. What was, what was number I, 10? I, I, I didn't, I, I included right. a bonus. Okay. Uh, my number 10 is Brian. Howe. Yeah. I, I love that one. I, you, when you think of bad company, you normally you normally think of Paul, but Brian was there during some of the some of the good stuff too, and it, I thought he gets overlooked a lot. He sure does. But I really I really enjoyed that. I did too. Um, he may make a an appearance on this list later in this conversation a little bit later, but he is an example of the exact kind of guest that I try to seek out which is one of those people that we all know but we don't know anything about you know like a kiki d or a keith scott or um you know there's been several others where it's like i know that song yeah what what is kiki d's story you know i only know don't go breaking my heart that was the exact kind of people i try to seek out and so i i was really happy that he it took a long time but he agreed to come on because uh, that was like right in the wheelhouse Good. I'm glad you like that one too. Um, I'm gonna go number ten. This is oh, ten is always the hardest choice to make. Ten and one usually, um, because when you say ten, then you're cutting everyone else off. I was on the fence between Martha Davis from the Motels and Nick Hayward, but I'm, I think I'm gonna go with Nick. Um, I do think that Martha's interview, and I should say, I usually judge these based on the universality of the conversation. Do you have to be a fan of this person or this band to appreciate this conversation? And the ones that I think really transcend are the ones that um, you don't have to, you don't have to like them to care about, to find this conversation really interesting. I do think that Martha's fits that better, especially that whole sad story at the end about her daughter dying of a drug overdose and her, you know, her concerns and regrets around pursuing her own career and possibly, you know, uh, not paying as enough attention to her kids at a time when they needed them. Um, that was what I got out of it anyway. That was a really 
You know what? I'm talking myself out of it. Let's go with Martha at 10. We'll bump Nick to 11. I love Nick Hayward. I love his music a lot. But yeah, that Martha one probably had a little more substance. So I think I'm going to go with Martha Davis at number 10. Okay. Okay. That works. I thought he was, I thought she was good too. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. All right, number All right. nine. Number nine, I've got Brian James. Yeah. And I, 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 I love that episode. That was... Uh, some uh, some of the, some of the music in there was great, and his his, his stories were, I really enjoyed too. I agree. Um, that one was one of my favorites too, and almost made the cut. It didn't quite, but I'm glad to hear you say that because that one meant a lot to me. And he did finally about a month later shared our episode, so that that's really my you know we do this for the fans, yeah. We just want people to know there's this little uh, little love note out there. That, they may appreciate and it drives me crazy when they don't get shared and the fans don't know but in that case they did so I was really glad about that um, for number 9 I'm going to go with Alan Shacklock and uh, this one is I feel I have some conflicted feelings about this one because as I said in the episode pound for pound it is every second of that inf- of that interview is gold you know it just didn't uh-huh. let up. Everything he said was like, are you kidding me? It just never ended. And my only hesitation with it was that it was almost overwhelming. It was almost too much to even process because it was so good and so much information in the moment. So yeah, that one was incredible. It was overwhelmingly incredible. So that's why I I, I have it at number nine, but I thought, that guy is amazing and as I said I mean imagine if we can get him to come back on and maybe I don't know if he would want to talk about one of the meatloaf albums that he (laughs) (laughs) he wasn't that uh, uh, enthused about but maybe one of the Roger Daltrey solo albums or something like that you know let's see yeah yeah anyway uh, so that's number nine okay you go with number eight number eight I've got Ray Parker Jr. yeah I, I really loved that one. I, I was just totally, you know, that that one just blew me away. That his his movie work, yeah, was just gravy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who? That was the thing. I thought. I mean, he said that basically that he was already kind of rich and taken care of before Ghostbusters even came along. You know? Who knew? Uh-huh. I. Uh, and if yeah. you listen to that, if you listen to the stuff that he'd done before yeah. that came yeah. along, it's fantastic. I know. I um, I really was trying to. I didn't want him to feel like he had to talk about Ghostbusters for the millionth time, and so I really was trying to kind of steer the conversation into a lot of that collaboration work that he did before. But they, he ended up going there anyway, you know. And um, yeah, that one was fascinating. Uh, that was a dream. I mean, to think that I talked to Ray Parker Jr., that he came on our show, that is mind-blowing to me. So, yeah. And what, you know, and what he, he was able to do with that. Yeah. He, he helped his family out. Yep. He looked after his family, if I remember right. Yeah, he did. But was yeah. able to buy his mom a house and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think his dad, too. Maybe he has parents. It was really amazing. He was such a good dude. I liked how casual, too. He was just like, yeah, I wish I hadn't had a kid outside of marriage. But, you know, what are you going to do? 
It's like he's such a he's such a like slick lover man that he can just say that, and everyone's like, oh yeah, Ray, that's just Ray being Ray. You know what I mean? Anyone else yeah. would be like, you did what? But with him, it's just eh, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that, but whatever. Everyone's cool. I that was uh, that was kind of funny. Anyway. Uh, okay, let's see. Where did we leave off? Is that me? Okay, number eight. I'm going to go with Tarquin Gotch. That was another one that was... I... I see, I'm, I'm having a hard time even finding the words now. I cannot stress enough how much... How much emotional investment I have made in the things that... Most of the things that that guy has worked on. You know? The movies, the soundtracks, the bands... They make up a large portion of my life, of what makes me who I am. And uh, so it would probably be higher on my list, but it was another one where I was almost overwhelmed with good stuff. I could have I could have done an hour on every... I could have done an hour on each song from every soundtrack, let alone the soundtrack or the movie. There was so much ground to cover... And I, uh, so he's another one. I think you mentioned this, Yan. Wouldn't it be great if he came back and we did a deep dive on one of those soundtracks, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's number eight for me. That was a big one for me. And I should say he was kind enough to do it twice. We did it early. Well, it's a long story. He, he wanted to talk. He was catching a connecting flight in Chicago and he had some time in between flights. And so... We talked on the phone, but uh, there was a miscommunication on the exact time. And so it ended up, uh, he didn't have as much time as we thought. And there was this weird delay on our conversation that made the the conversation very unnatural. And then I go back and listen and the file is jacked up. It's only his side of the conversation that got recorded, which has happened maybe four or five times now. So I was just heart, I was just sick over this. But thankfully, he agreed to come back on, and we did it, and it worked, and it went well. So, anyway. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. All right, number seven for you. Number seven, I've got Neville Staple. I absolutely (laughs) loved that one. Loved loved the special music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, they... um, You growing up in the UK, I mean, all that stuff, you were there. You probably remember them happening in real time, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Were you, uh, I mean, are you a fan of, I, listeners, I, I feel kind of guilty sometimes because I don't really consult with you always before I go out and seek out the people I have on the show, but I know that you're, you don't really, you love everything. I mean, that's one of the things I like most about you is that you like all kinds of music. It doesn't really oh, yeah. matter. And so I know that pretty much most of the things we have on here you and I both like them. It's just I might be more familiar with them than you are. But you knew the specials. You grew up with them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, who didn't know Ghost Town? Oh, good. <laughs> I play, I play like, the first couple of bars, maybe, mm-hmm. to my throat. And I'm like, oh, I recognize that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. You got okay. him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he was great. He's a good one. Uh, okay, so number that was number seven. Number seven for me. Now here's one of the reasons why I wanted to extend it to five, to ten instead of five. The next four, my next four picks are virtually interchangeable. They all kind of remind me of each other. I like them all equally. So 
this is pretty arbitrary, the order that I'm putting these next four in. But for number seven, I'm going to go with Eddie McDonald from The Alarm. Um, I just felt like he appreciated the interest we took in him. And it, again, like I was saying earlier, it allowed, I think, him to open up and, and say some things that were really interesting, really informative, but also vulnerable. And um, I was so grateful that when that episode came out, the Alarm fan community really grabbed a hold of it. And it was, I saw it kind of went viral, you know? It was getting shared among all these fans and hitting all these sites and being mentioned on like other alarm specific podcasts and things like that, which is always what I'm hoping for with these things. I felt like we gave Eddie a, a stage in which to be his best self. And so I was really proud of that one. I was really glad that it worked out. Um, it was looking like there for a while that I might be interviewing Mike Peters and be able to ask him directly, why have you? Why do you not reunite the original band? But it never quite got off the ground. Maybe it will at some point. So anyway, that's my feeling. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed Eddie. He was really, he was a really good guy. And I thought he, he did tell us some really interesting stories. Yeah. Yeah, I liked him a lot. Uh, okay, number six. Number six, I have Chris Joyce. Yeah. And I thought he was fascinating. Just as things are getting ready to kick off with Simply Red and then he gets booted. Like, yeah. Wait, what? No. I know. That must suck, you know? I, um, Like I said, I was watching this program over here called Classic Albums, which I think is produced by a British company. So maybe it's been on the BBC over there or whatever, but they did a Classic Albums episode on stars. And they interviewed him and he mentioned that he had gotten kicked out right before. And I thought, oh my gosh, that guy has a story to tell. I want to hear yeah. that guy's story. And sure enough, thankfully he agreed to come on. Um, I loved him too. And he gave one of the greatest lines one of the greatest quotes that we've ever had on here, I don't think it made it to the final edit, but I, I always tell people afterwards, hey, this is going to come out in a few weeks. If you feel like sharing it with your fans, please do. And he said, what fans are those, John? And I just thought that was so self-effacing and so hilarious that he's like, I'm just a drum instructor. I, you think I have fans? I don't have fans anymore, man. That was such a funny thing to say. I loved it. So anyway, good pick. Are you a Simply Red fan? Some of their stuff I, I like, yeah. Yeah. I actually like the earlier stuff before with him. And that's I'm not just saying that out of loyalty to Chris Joyce, but those first, what is it, three albums I think they did, I prefer those. And I do like Stars, and then I it kind of drops off a little bit for me after that. Anyway, okay, number six for me. And again, the this and the three others are interchangeable. I think I'm going to go with Keith Scott the guitarist for Brian Adams. That was one that Paul An Paul Underwood did, that one, because he, he had gone to the concert with me and was a big fan, and he had offered right around that time to step in if we ever needed him, and I, I'm always concerned about you and if you're getting burned out or feel like you're doing too much. And I thought, well, let's give this one to Paul since he I know he's a big Keith Scott fan. Um, that one I was really proud of because I'd been trying to make it happen for a couple of years, and uh, he's another example of the perfect guy that, to have on here. Someone we all know and we've heard a million times, but we don't think about often enough. 
and to hear him come on and tell his story. One thing I should say, I never, I try really hard not to put these people in a position where they have to be speaking for the bigger, their boss, basically. I didn't want Keith to come on and feel like he had to answer questions for Brian Adams or speak for Brian Adams. I want them to feel like they're free to tell their side of the story, you know? And so I was trying to be very careful about what I asked and, you know, why, there's so many, believe me, there's so many things about Brian's career I want to know why he does what he does now when his 80s stuff was so good. But um, I didn't want to put make Keith responsible for ask, answering those questions. But he was very forthcoming with the story behind, you know, where Run To You came from and where Only The Strong Survive and the solo for everything I do. It was just such juicy background information to so much of that stuff that we all know and love. I was really glad that he was... He told those stories. So anyway, that's going to be my number six pick. Okay. All right. Number five for you. Number five, I've got Rupert Hine. Yeah. I loved that one. Yeah. Absolutely loved that one. He was, he was, he was really good. He was great. Um, and this, so much awesome information. So much. And he's going to, he's going to come up again a couple of times. So I'll save most of my commentary for, for one of those other times. But yeah, I just, I could not have asked for more. Every name I threw at him, he had a interesting, profound, and succinct story relating to that person. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, most of the time you get people and they talk too much or they, I don't remember or they're too careful with their words. He didn't do any of that. He let it all flow and it was all interesting and to the point and it just kept the conversation going. There was never a dull moment in that in that interview. I loved it. Uh, and sometimes, and it's sometimes really, really great to have somebody that you can just throw them a question and they just go. Yeah. Well, and if, if they're interesting, sometimes you do that and they aren't that interesting, and you just want to blow your brains out. You know. Um, oh, you, you just edit, you just edit it. True. To make it true. I know. <laughs> I always think about John Hall, the guy from Orleans, the politician. Nice dude, but I just wanted to talk about music, and he went on a politics rant for like almost an hour. And I just, oh my gosh, you're killing me here, buddy. But he was a nice guy. Anyway, uh, okay, that was number five. Number five for me, again, it's interchangeable, but I think I'm going to go with Steve Ferris from Mr. Mister. Um, he, uh, I had really high hopes for that one because it was our third birthday and he was Mr. Mr. is by far our most requested guest and so uh -huh. I really wanted this one to go well you know and thank goodness it did he told great, great kiss stories that appealed to all those kiss fans out there uh, he talked deeply about the music that he was involved in he was very forthcoming with his um, post music career life which is just fascinating to me that he gets hired by you know, states and governments to come in and create wetlands and whatever, you know, forests and to manage and uh, the operation of wilderness, you know, uh, the earth. It's just fascinating to me that he does that. And uh, so I thought there was a little bit in for everyone in that conversation. And he was great to work with on did, I can't. Did you even edit that one? Yes, I did, yeah. Because he was so concerned with... <laughs> He just, he didn't have much of a filter. 
And afterwards, he was so concerned that he may have said something wrong that he wanted to do a, a pass on the editing himself. Which I think, and I couldn't remember if he did all of it or if he, I think he may have re-edited your draft to take out even some more things that he was concerned about. But anyway, that was a great, I really liked Steve Ferris. I think what happened on that one was you'd sent him a draft and he just went through and made a couple of edits. You might be right. Maybe I sent him the pre, like the, the raw recording. Yes, no, you did. That's what it was, without music or anything. Like, this is the recording of our conversation. Have at it. And he requested some changes, made some himself, and then you worked with the with the edited version. That makes more sense. Okay. Uh, all right, good. Where are we? Number four. You go ahead with number four. Number four, I have... I've got a tie here, and I actually included the bonuses and recaps mm-hmm. and stuff in, in my my top 10 and for number four i've got the the two recaps that we did that we had sonny and andy on weren't they the best oh uh, uh, those were those were awesome and actually in in talking with with andy afterwards and put him put him on to the melismatics oh right in, in in minneapolis yeah yeah, because we'd had they'd come up with uh, Tony from the Monroes. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah, and so <clears throat> it turns out that uh, Tony sometimes plays near where Andy lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, I really enjoyed that one, and then the the rabbit hole. <laughs> oh my Sonny's. gosh, Sonny's that spread. He said, you know, so the topic he picks are. The top three songs that should have been number one hits between the years of 83 and 89, I think. And he's worked out a whole spreadsheet that includes like 500 options, all the songs that are in play for selection. I mean, yeah, we could have we could have done hundreds of shows on that topic alone. It was such a fun rabbit hole to go down. Oh, it was great. Loved it. Yeah, I did too. Can you believe that? Two guys paid us to come on this show and chat with us. Can you believe uh-huh. that? That was that was awesome. I, uh, I, I really loved their topics. I'm so humbled by that. I'm so grateful for them. Andy's practically our chief marketing officer at this point. He, Indeed. He, he works so hard. He'll send me a message. Hey, congratulations on hitting quarter of a million downloads. Or he'll send him, hey, congratulations on getting a thousand likes on Facebook. And that's the kind of stuff that I micromanage but to think that one of our listeners micromanages that even more than i do that's just crazy to me i love those guys if thank um, you both so much yeah and i love seeing them promote the interviews on other places yeah yeah it's amazing to me and uh i had put it out i haven't updated it yet but um if any listener wanted to send us so little bit of behind the scenes i was going to interview paul kelly an australian singer songwriter who's one of my all-time favorites and his people read the description of our show on itunes and got turned off because it implied that we were talking to has-beens or one-hit wonders and maybe that's sort of where we began a little bit but i feel like we've evolved we don't really we'll talk to anybody now you know i mean Uh i have sort of a pattern that i follow no matter who we talked to, but I wouldn't say we're just talking to those people. Although 
I do find those stories really interesting. So we, we talked to them and everyone else. And uh, I thought, well, I should rewrite that. Sonny and one of our other listeners, whose name will come up later, so I'm going to save it, uh, sent me reworked copy of our show description. And I liked both of them. So I'm going to merge them together and put them on, uh, change our iTunes show description because we've evolved from where we were then. So anyway, I just, I say this to illustrate the generosity and the goodwill of the people who listen to our show and care enough to donate, get involved, comment, listen, send us emails, say thank you, whatever it is. We're just so grateful to the, all of you. It's, it's mind blowing to me. Okay, number four, this is the last of the, as I said, these four have all been interchangeable. I have Eddie McDonald, Keith Scott, Steve Ferris, and number four for me is Brian Howe. They're all basically tied because I think they all tell very similar stories of being, doing great work and being behind the scenes a little bit, either behind the scenes or cut out of the story or not the focus of the story but having a very interesting story of their own that doesn't get told as much i love it and so uh brian howe as i already mentioned was somebody i had been trying to get forever and it finally worked and i was just really proud of how that one turned out and uh, so i'm gonna i throw him in there for number four uh and i've already talked mostly about that one okay number three this is a good one yan you gotta defend number- yourself on this one uh, number three for me was Fernando Matreya. <laughs> wow! I absolutely, absolutely love that one. <laughs> absolutely love that one. I know you you find that a little bit just out there a little bit, but I thought he was he was really interesting. And I thought he was for us to be able to talk to him was yeah. just incredible. He doesn't do much he interviews is. stuff yeah. like that. For us to get a chance to talk with him was just amazing. It was. One, I... one, of, one of my friends here said, how did you get him? <laughs> uh, I had to stalk his people for about three years to make that happen. But it finally did. Um, yeah, I. if I were to rank these uh, in terms of like proudest moments, that one would be at or near the top of my proudest moments was actually securing an interview with Sananda or Terrence. Uh, I can't believe that that actually happened. I, oh, he, was uh, so, he was so gracious, too. He was. He was. He, I, you could make an argument either way. Either that was the most frustrating episode we put out this year, or it was the most fascinating episode we put out this year. It was fascinating. It was also completely exhausting to do in the moment. Um, I've talked about it a lot already. I, I mean, I'm really grateful for him and I'm grateful that it happened. I wanted so badly to have a, a different kind of conversation with him. Um, it didn't end up happening. And I don't know if it's even possible that it could. He seems very uh, in his own world, but it is a fascinating world. So I'm really glad it happened. It just... I needed to take a nap afterwards because it wore me out. And I have to say, I really like his new stuff. Yeah, he puts out these massive albums now that are like two or three discs. And, um, you know, they could be pared down to one really excellent album, but the stuff that's excellent is great. Did you buy You bought quite a bit of it, didn't you? Yeah, I bought, yeah, I bought some of that, yeah. Good, yeah. 
Yeah, he's good. Uh, okay. Number three for me, this is a selfish pick, I will admit, is John Oates. And the reason I picked this, and uh, I'm, I, you know, he was in promo mode, basically. I was lucky. At first, they were like, we'll give you a half hour. And I said, is there any way that I can have just a little bit more than that? And I said, well, we'll make it the last interview of the day. So if it goes long, you know, it won't be quite so bad. And he ended up giving me, and I think he gave me like 50 minutes. And I know, and my phone cut out twice. So he had to call me back, which he was nice enough to do. And I know that, so I hesitate to ever do any of this because it feels so awkward and weird, but I was just really proud. I, I had one shot to nail a moment with one of my very favorite musicians ever, and I did it. And I'm, I'm proud of myself. And I don't normally say those kinds of things, but I am. I hit on what he wanted to talk about with his new album. I hit on the book that he wrote that, it, we, that came out the year before. And I got to ask a lot of questions that I wanted to ask in a very short amount of time. And, um, you know, it's not the definitive John Oates interview that I normally like to have. But that was a moment where I personally had to step up to the plate and perform and I did. And so I pick I pick it because I'm have, I'm proud of myself in a lot of ways and I'm glad it turned out. So anyway. Oh, that was really good. And that new material is excellent. That Arkansas album is so good. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I I know yeah, that but... it's easy to take John Oates for granted because Daryl's the voice, but John has some strong stuff of his own out there, you know. Well worth some of your dollars. Yes, I agree. So yeah, I uh, I feel strange, but I got to pat myself on the back a little bit for the John Oates one. It meant a lot to me personally. Uh, okay, number two for you. Number two for me is Tarquin Gotch. I I loved that. Just yeah. another one of those ones. Just let him go and all all the John Hughes stuff that he worked on. Some of that is great. I know. So many great stories. And again, I mean, these were the formative movies and sound, songs and soundtracks of our upbringing. I. I wish uh, I just could have gone deep on under uh, any category within that guy's career. And I could have talked for hours and hours. And I mean, I tried to tiptoe around it because I'm sure he gets asked about it a lot. The guy manages Brian Johnson from ACDC. Uh-huh. That gets lost yep. in the shuffle of all of this. You know that there is so much strategizing going on behind the scenes that he couldn't even talk about in relation to Brian's career and what's happening right now. Isn't that interesting? That's that's one of one I wish that I'd always got to see was ACDC with Brian. I got to see them with Axel, and they were really really good. That's right. I wish I'd gotten to see them with Brian. Yeah, we did that special bonus episode on that. I've never seen them. I've told the story before. They were here in Denver, and I will admit I am only just recently starting to come around to ACDC. I've never cared one way or the other about them. Um, but I'm starting to get more into them. And they came to concert. And I think it was the same week that Iron Maiden was here. And I was going to go to both. And they were expensive. And I ended up not going to either. And then Brian Johnson, I think two days later, left the band. Three, four days later. It had to have been one of the last shows that the band will ever do together. And I could have been there and I didn't do it. And I'm just kicking myself. Uh, anyway, okay, yes, Tarquin was great. Number two for me was Rupert Hine. 
for all the reasons we said. It was, uh, he just nailed every story, every moment. It was perfect. Everything came with a great story. And I'm going to, I will mention this now. I'm going to go back to him and see if he'll come back on and do an album deep dive with us. Uh, I think I'm going to post it. So if any of you listeners are not that active on Facebook, there are reasons why you should at least pay attention to us on there. And one of the reasons is I'm going to throw it out to you guys. I may not necessarily take your choice, but I want to factor it into my own decision making here. I'm going to narrow down maybe five or six Rupert Hine albums that I would like to go deep on. And I'm going to put it out on Facebook and you guys can vote for these. You can tell us what you think we should focus on. Maybe it's a Howard Jones album. Maybe it's The Fix. Maybe it's Duncan Sheik. Maybe it's Tina Turner. Eight Seconds. Who knows? But I'm going to, I'm curious to think what to find out what you guys think. So be looking for that. I'm going to put that out. I'm waiting to make sure that my chat with Matthew Sullivan goes well and that we ha I have a kind of a an idea of whether this is going to be successful or not. I think it's going to be. But when after I've done that, I'm going to reach out to Rupert and see if he'll come back on and talk about one of those albums with us. So uh, anyway, okay, number one. What's your number one? My number one is Alan Shacklow. <laughs> yeah, tell me why. <laughs> Do you think he ever gets a Christmas card from me? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think oh, he ever will? Oh, it's one of the best lines. That's so good. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. You just sit there and think, you, you visualize that, and you've got this giant of a guy. Yeah. yeah. Alan's smaller, and <laughs> right. like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I think most people are smaller than Meatloaf. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> what a trip that guy must be. Yeah, Alan was great. So many good stories. Did you have a favorite? Was it the meatloaf stuff that you liked the most? Uh -huh. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That was so good. And I, it was so fascinating. I'm talking to him. It was really difficult for me to get a word in edgewise, uh, honestly, which normally would drive me crazy. But I didn't mind so much with him because he kept saying such good stuff. But I felt like I needed to interject at least once in a while. And he would name drop all these people who had been on the show. Oh, and then I called Russ Ballard. Oh, and then I called my friend John Parr. It's like, yeah, we know them. We've had them on the show. You know, that really yeah. warmed my heart. Um, yeah, those were those were good. You know, that he's he's worked with those people that we've that we've had before. Yeah, that really, that made that episode great for me. I agree. Okay. So Alan Shacklock's your number one. My number one for the year is Steve Kilby of The Church, which didn't make your top ten. I'm curious why. Oh, I, I just had so many I could yeah. pick from. I really like that one, too. Okay. That one, to me, is uh, there are times when I do these interviews, and they're done, and I feel like I'm holding on to a chunk of gold, you know, that it's... Uh, like I'm afraid I'm going to get hit by a bus and die before the world gets to experience this thing that I just that just happened that's in my hands like I'm I'm the carrier of the Holy Grail and that is how I felt after I talked to Steve Gilby I thought everyone is going to love this it he hit he did everything that I love an interviewee to do he was introspective he was honest, he was critical, but he was also, he's, 
You can tell he's a really prickly person. I ended up meeting him a few months later and we hung out for a little while. He was prickly in person too. But there's a warm, gooey center in there. You just have to go toe-to-toe -to -toe and earn the right to kind of get in there and then you get it a little bit. Um, anyway, that is just, that to me is what I wish every interview could be like. And uh, so yeah, he had to be, he was my number one pick for the year. I really enjoyed him. And, yeah, and, uh, and I would have picked him in my top ten. I just had other stuff that I wanted. There's so to... many others. I know yeah, it was hard. Had other stuff I wanted to showcase. Yeah. Um, okay, so a listener top five. I've been pounding on this on Facebook and Twitter. I didn't. I never get as many replies on Twitter, so I don't do as much on there. You guys tell me if I should. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it. It's weird to tweet something and have like two people like it or comment on it you feel like you're just a loser so i don't i don't do twitter that often but anyway our listener votes uh look very similar to our choices by the way um tied for number five was shack lock and jack hughes from uh wang chung which was another episode i liked and was in the running and i have to give another thanks to martin page our former guest because he contacted me out of the blue and said, would you be interested in talking to Jack Hughes? And I had been wanting to talk to Jack specifically for a long time because I've gone to the Lost 80s tour twice and he wasn't there and I wanted to know why. And um, But I felt weird. I wasn't sure if I should contact Wang Chung directly and say, I'm not interested in talking to Nick. I'm just interested in talking to Jack. And I hadn't worked up the guts to do that. And then Martin emails me out of the blue and, you know, makes my dream come true so yeah right. just out of curiosity how long did it take you to say yes <laughs> uh i took a deep breath i probably cont uh, con regained my composure and then i immediately said yes and i'm pretty sure i probably said it in all caps with a ton of exclamation points afterwards you got it <laughs> so it was great um number four from our listeners was brian howe um and i'm Number three, there was a tie, so that's why this is kind of a top four. Number three, tied for number three was were the Steves, Steve Kilby and Steve Ferris. Number two, th number one and number two were very close, but number two ended up being Keith Scott, and number one ended up being Rupert Hine. So, sounds like we're all sort of in agreement here with what some of our favorite episodes were of the year. Um, and please, and I'm sorry if it bothers everybody, but I really am interested in hearing from you, and I don't know how else to do it besides um, Facebook and Twitter. And I don't do, I don't hear much on Twitter, so it's pretty much just Facebook. So uh, I only know how we're doing if we hear from you. So I hope that um, you, know, I hope you're okay with me pounding you periodically, wanting to know what your vote is for best episode. Now, last portion, this is the uh, questions. I got to say, I, I at the last minute, I thought, you know, we got some time. Let's see if people want to send us some questions. And you guys nailed it. You sent some very, very good ones. Um, so I'm really grateful. And uh, I'm going to go through some of these right now. A lot of them pertain, I guess, probably mostly to me, but some of them are for both of us. So I'll uh, let you chime in when you have something you want to add to all this. Some of them I'll, I'll kind of volley the ball back to you. Okay. Does that sound good, Yen? Sure. Okay. Uh, first and foremost, <laughs> Brian, Brian Morris, one of our listeners, sent a bunch of questions. And uh, I laugh because this is in keeping with Brian's personality. He sends a bunch of requests. He sends a bunch of links to songs he likes. He sends a bunch of information 
on the people he's requesting. And even if I've never heard of the person, there's miles of links to why I should get to know this person. So it is very much in Brian's nature to be very enthusiastic and send a lot of stuff. Brian, incidentally, is the one who recommended Eddie McDonald about a year or two before it actually even came out. So thank you, Brian. Uh, now, Brian asks, can you tell us some stories where interviewees gave you feedback after their interview, where they were either really happy or perhaps really upset? So again, I say this very humbly. I I've heard, I okay, first and foremost, I almost never hear if it's bad. I can't think of a time. Can you, Yan? I don't think, no one ever says, I didn't like that, or, you know, I didn't appreciate that, or you're Bush League, or whatever. No one ever really says that. You know what I mean? The, the only the only one I can remember was uh, we had one where I bumped the guy's vocals as high as I could get it, mm. and it was still too quiet. Yeah, there have Yeah, who was it? I, uh, I need, it was one. It, it was an earlier one. Yeah, that does happen sometimes. There are production, you know challenges that we do you i should say all praise to you yan the vip do the very best you can to fix and uh correct and sometimes it's not still not quite good enough just because of technology so yeah um but for the most part we don't i don't hear much i will say the the only two negatives number one very early on we had baxter from the band reflex this was back in the air and cyrette days I was really proud of that episode. I love that band. And he felt, and for whatever reason, Aaron at the time didn't have as much time to, he was really busy that week. And so he couldn't quite go in and like cut out every single um or paw, you know, like a pregnant pause or whatever. And um, which I don't, I mean, we normally run these pretty much. I know you do a lot of tightening and cleaning, but we we try to keep these pretty as is, you know, kind of warts and all most of the time. And I guess Baxter felt like we didn't clean up enough. And so he didn't, he wouldn't share the episode with the fans. That kind of broke my heart a little bit because I was really proud of it. And then the other one, and I've told this story on here before, is when we had Bobby Harris of the Daz Band on. I love the Daz Band. They are technically, if you want to go on, according to the pop charts, a one-hit wonder. Uh, Let It Whip is their only song in the pop top 40. They had a bunch of songs on the R&B and dance charts. And I mentioned that. I was very careful not to limit them to just a one-hit wonder in my intro that I did for the episode. So I, I may have said something like, you know, they were only in the pop charts once, but they had a bunch of other R&B hits or whatever. I tried to be very careful with my wording. And when it came out, uh, Bobby's wife... I don't even know if Bobby heard it. I never heard from him again. But his wife was like, yeah, you need to cut all this out because they're not a one-hit wonder. And she sends me a list of all the songs they've had, which were <laughs> either hits on the R&B charts or outside the top 40 of the pop charts. And I said, no, I, I know. I was actually trying to be very careful with my wording on that one. Uh, this is technically the definition of a one-hit wonder, so it does kind of fall into that. But I, I wasn't trying to limit you guys as that anyway. I think you'll hear, and she, I don't know if she ever listened to the whole thing. She got past the intro and got annoyed and sent me the thing. And I said, well, I think if you listen to the rest, you'll see. I mean, we are absolutely respectful and reverential to Bobby and the band. We love them. And I never heard from her again. And so uh, those are the only two times where people have been 
that I know of anyway that where they've had a problem. If they have a problem, they just don't tell me and I'd never hear from them again. On the plus side, there have been a few people, bless their hearts, who have said that this was one of the best interviews they've ever done. One of my very proudest moments, and again, it feels so strange to talk about myself, but I'll do it because you asked, Brian. Um, when we put out, and I think this was before you too, just before you with Aaron Syrett, when we had Christopher, Christopher Thorne of Blind Melon on, it came out and I remember he sent me an email and the first line was, I just heard it and I have to be completely honest with you. And when I read that, I thought, my heart just sank. I thought, oh my gosh, he's going to say that this is Bush League and I'm terrible and I was really offended by this or that. But it said, I have to be really honest with you. That was one of the best interviews I've ever done. And I was at work and I got totally choked up and I thought, Maybe we can do this after all. Maybe I'm, I'm, I, I know I'm some guy out of nowhere, but I'd like to think I'm putting some journalism chops to good use here. And when he did that, it meant the world to me and it still does. And I was able to meet him a year ago. We've emailed a couple of times. He was a great guy. And so that meant a lot. Another one, uh, Susan Ottaviano from Book of Love. I got to meet her when she and when the band came through in concert, we went with, I went with Ben Frazier, one of our listeners who I love. Hi, Ben. Um, she said, yeah, I, that was one of the best interviews I've ever done. And I've actually heard that a couple of times. And that's really, that's very humbling to me. Um, you remember, you know this, I took, cause I told you about it. Chris Dunn, after his episode came out just recently, sent me an email a couple of days later. He said, I'm listening to it for the second time. And I just want you guys to know how amazed I am at what you're able to do. That was really humbling, didn't you think? Oh yeah, yeah. I love, love that. I mean, that's one of the things I love when when the the artist themselves listens to it and they they like it. it nothing's better. Um, yeah, yeah. Stu Cook was very uh, complimentary of our episode. Said it was one of the best interviews he's ever done. That's Stu Cook from CCR. And he couldn't even share the episode with their fans for legal reasons because he was afraid Fogarty was going to come after him. But that was really amazing that Stu Cook would say that. That's a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Um, yeah. Some people, have, I used to cut it out when we first started. I would, if they said nice things, I'd cut it out because it felt too selfish to leave it in the episode. But now if they do it, I leave it in because it feels kind of nice. But like G. Tom Mack has said some things. You guys heard Tony Brock and... Robin Scott asked me a lot of questions. It was sweet. Anyway, there have been a few people. Steve Thompson, the producer I mentioned, when his episode came out, he produced it, or he uh, publicized it like crazy. And he was like, guys, this is going to live on in infamy as one of the best interviews ever. And I think it's because he gets asked to talk about all the hard rock stuff all the time. And I wanted to focus on his alternative rock world work, which he never gets to talk about. So he seemed especially grateful that we shined a light on that. Anyway. That's a long answer to that question. Hope that's okay. Um, let's see. Most notable awkward moments during past interviews. You'll have to tell me if you thought of, I mean, you're producing these things. If you notice anything, tell me. But obviously, Stephen Bishop is always kind of the go-to answer on that one. Um, yeah, yeah. And just because of the comparison to... Bernie Higgins. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, I really like Steven and I still like Steven, but he, I think, misunderstood where I was coming from on a couple of things and um, mentioned it in there. So anyway, I, there weren't too many others. One I is an interview that 
I did recently that we were going to put out as a bonus uh, a couple of weeks ago, but I think now we might save it. So I'm a, because of my work being what it is now, I'm, I hope that I can continue to... I, I like having the Tuesday episodes be the definitive last word on some artist and having the bonus episodes be ancillary. Either they are someone like Jackie, who is, has worked in the music industry, but isn't you know an artist necessarily, or someone like Chris White, where it's more promotional in nature, you know? I like keeping those on to the Friday ones. And I was gonna, this one, I did an interview recently with somebody that I thought was really awkward. I'm not gonna tell you who it is. Um, and we were gonna put it out as a bonus, but now I'm hanging on to it in case because of my new work schedule, we need more content for for Tuesdays. So it may come out as a bonus or we may just save it. But anyway, I got one in the in the vaults right now that to me feels very Bishop-esque. Um, so be on the lookout for that. The only other one I can think of is I really liked the Eric Bazilian episode interview that we did. And um, sometimes what happens is they feel good while they're happening. And then in that case, I listened to it afterwards and I thought, is he making, is he condescending to me? Is he making fun of me? I can't tell. I got this bee in my bonnet that maybe I, he actually didn't like me. <laughs> As I've already expressed many times, that gnaws at me more than it should. But I was sure that Eric Bazilian did not like our episode and thought that I was an idiot. And I felt really bad because I liked that one a lot. Um, I eventually got over it. And he told me on Twitter that he did like me. So that was nice. Yeah, he, he was really he was really cool he's great I liked him. yep and that is I think our most popular episode of our first like 30 or 40 episodes that one has the most downloads so maybe we'll see if Eric Bazilian will come back on and do a deep dive on a Hooters album that might be fun but anyway there have been times where I've asked a question and it hasn't gone anywhere and then you just cut it out you know I'll tell you like, yeah, this, I shouldn't have asked that or it was dumb or it doesn't go, the answer is not that interesting or I fumbled or whatever. And we just usually cut those moments out. Um, can you think of anything else? Any other awkward moments? No, off the top of my head. No, Yeah, me neither. Okay. Uh, current favorite music podcasts, current favorite interview podcasts, whether music focused or not. Yeah. Do you listen to podcasts? Uh, I need to listen to some more. Of, uh, I, right now, I'm trying to do some some studying for for other stuff as well okay. as so I don't get to listen to listen to as much as I would like. It's funny to me that you work on this podcast and yet you don't listen to that many podcasts. I guess it doesn't matter. I mean, you you enjoy doing the production. Doesn't mean uh -huh. you have to go listen to other podcasts. But I. Uh, yeah, I, I occasionally listen to, listen to some of Ken's. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, Ken Mills. You know, stuff. the ones where you have somebody come on. Yep. And do. Uh... Yeah, he's great. So I uh, I listen to tons and tons of podcasts. Uh, some of my favorites that are music related. I mean, obviously, everybody who's already sort of a part of this net of our community, like the Pods and Sods guys or Ken Mills or Decibel Geek or whatever. Um, some of my other favorites that are kind of outside of that and i i want to give these guys um props so i'm going to mention mention them one of my favorites is the hit parade which uh is a part of slate 
um, the website Slate. We don't know these people, but they're this guy does a I think it's a monthly, maybe biweekly. Uh, he's like a chart expert, and so he goes deep on the story behind how some song or some group of songs became hits. It's fascinating. If you never listened to the Hit Parade, it's excellent. Uh, another one of my very favorites is Permanent Record from with Brian and Sarah Lennon, who I they had me on and we put the show out on our feed. I love what they do. I obviously am an 80s new wave, new wave guy kind of at heart. And so I love the music that they focus on. Another one that I really like is called Songcraft. Eric Miller from Paws and Saws turned me on to this one. It's the one of everything that I think is most like what we do. Um, there's also like Soda Jerker and Inside Music Cast, which I like a lot. But Songcraft, I feel like those guys have the kinds of conversations that I would have with those same guests. So I like Songcraft a lot. Um, another one that I discovered this year, maybe you all did too, I think it's a really popular one, is the A to Z of David Bowie. I like that one a lot, of course, as a big David Bowie fan. And then two more from other friends of ours. One is the Rockonomics podcast. Uh, Dill, I really like what that guy is doing. He, again, has similar conversations to what I feel like I have, so check out Rockonomics. And then... I'm in love with that song by Brad Page. Uh, he's fairly new on the scene. I met him at the expo. He's the sweetest man in the world. He gives me feedback, good and bad, on some of our episodes. I'm so grateful for him and his friendship and his little bite-sized 20-minute episodes on a song that he loves, and he breaks it down, what he loves about it. It is the most genius idea. So those are the ones that I'm... Uh, those are the music-related ones that I'm really enjoying. Otherwise, it's the same kind of things that other people listen to. It's Mark Maron. Uh, it's all the Bill Simmons stuff. So, yeah. Uh, let's I see. Actually, oh, I go actually ahead. have like a, depending on what time I, I leave, I have like a, or depending on the traffic, I have like a 45 minute to an hour drive to go into, into work, into my client. And uh, so, you fit them in there sometimes. Using, you should. Yeah, I think we'll be using that time to listen to some. It's good. I take the bus every day to work, and so I'm just sitting on the bus, and it, that's my podcast time. That and at the gym or when I'm washing the dishes or mowing the lawn or watching my kids do practice soccer or swimming or whatever. I try to fit them in. Uh, let's see. Questions you wish you had asked during specific interviews. Questions you wish you hadn't asked. Um yeah, going back, if it's something I wish I hadn't asked, we usually cut it out. So you guys probably don't even know about it. The one that I always go back to that I regret is when we had Jimmer Podraski on from uh, the Rave Ups. I can't remember. You, this might have been before your time. I can't remember. Yeah, and it was pretty early. I did research for that episode, but there he had given an interview that was very bleak about the how his life turned out. And um, I hadn't read that one. And when we did our interview, it was more, you know, rose-colored glasses. It was, oh, yeah, things have been great. and Life is good. And, yeah, I've had some challenges, but I'm doing all right. And I wish that I had, <laughs> I felt like a little bit like I duped myself. I got, I screwed myself up because I didn't know the real story. And so I put out there the positive spin story. I love Jimmer, so I, I'm not trying to disparage him at all. But the real story was a little grittier, a little dirtier. And if I had done more homework, I might have found that and had a different conversation ahead of time. So that's the one that always I always regret. 
Uh, let's see here. Daniel Newman, one of our listeners, asks, I am always surprised and delighted by who you interview on the show. Do you have playlists of sorts that one could reference to see who your favorite artists were growing up over the years? Um, I would say not really. I mean, if anything, our show represents at least what my list of all-time favorites would be, you know? Um, and I'm usually, that's why I'm so effusive. I mean, I'll tell you if I think, you know, Hipsway comes on and the, it's the Honey Thief. And I'm not saying they're the greatest band in the world, but the Honey Thief is one of the greatest singles of all time, I believe. And I and so I always make sure that I voice my enthusiasm and my emotions for the people that we have on here. Who's your all-time favorite, Yan? If you had to pick. I've got so many I could pick. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to have to think about that. Okay. Think about it for a minute. I mean, I, I've yeah. expressed this before. I have like a holy trinity of all-time favorites, and it's Bowie, Neil Finn, slash Crowded House, and Hall and & Oates. And then the next tier would be like Tears for Fears, Earth, Wind & Fire, Simple Minds, Massive Attack. Um, and then it kind of goes from there. So, uh, I think def definitely for me, up, up right up there in my top tiers, and it's one I always go back to is the, it's that late 80s, early 90s alternative stuff, yeah. you know, the Screaming Trees right. and stuff like, uh, I love, 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 love Social Distortion. Right. Yeah, I, um, yeah, that stuff's great too. I Do you have an all-time favorite song? If I, if I go with Screaming Trees, it's got to be Sworn and Broken. Okay, good one. All right. Is that your number one, like, all-time favorite song, Desert Island Choice? Oh, yeah. I could listen to that over and okay. over and over again. Yeah. And then The Thorns I could listen to over and over yeah. and over again. I always wish they did more than the one album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I uh, Let's see. The last time I figured out a top 10 favorite song list, um, number my... So number one, my favorite song of all time is As by Stevie Wonder. Um, has been for a while. Number two, I would say, is Message to My Girl by Split Ends. Neil Finn wrote and recorded that one, or wrote that one, sang that one. Number three has always been Heroes by David Bowie. But if I'm honest about it, I kind of am, I'm not tired of that song, but I loved it before it became the ubiquitous song that it is now. And so it kind of doesn't carry the same amount of magic to me anymore. In fact, on that same album, Secret Life of Arabia is on there, which is probably Overtaken Heroes is my favorite Bowie song. So maybe that's number three now. I don't know. Um, number four would be Indigo Eyes by Peter Murphy. Number five is Drive That Fast by Kitchens of Distinction. Number six would be uh, Soul in Isolation by The Chameleons. Number seven is, I'm trying to remember, all, this is all off the top of my head from the last time I did one of these lists, which was probably five or six years ago. Number seven, I think, was In Spite of Me by Morphine. Number eight is Still Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. I never get tired of that song, and it's just too nostalgic to ignore. Number nine is um, There She Goes, My Beautiful World by Nick Cave. And number 10 is probably Wake Up by Arcade Fire. I don't know if that would still be on there, though. Anyway, those are my top 10 songs. 
And my favorite album of all time, as I've mentioned before, is the debut Crowded House album. If you think of other favorites, chime in, Yan. Um, okay. Jim Headley, one of our... I think the first listener email I ever got was from Jim Headley. And Jim, if you're listening, I still have saved every email you've ever sent me. Isn't that weird? Because it just feels so nice to hear from a listener. So I uh, I have hundreds of emails from Jim Headley. Anyway, thank you, Jim, for your for your loyalty. He asks, what do your notes look like during an interview? Do you categorize questions in your notes or just have one list of questions to hit? It seems as if you're very prepared and notes are orderly as the conversations seem very natural. Is that an accurate picture? Uh, that's a really interesting question. No one's ever asked that before. So I keep a, I have a notebook. I don't like big, like yellow legal pads type notebooks. I like smaller, um, something I can, I, not so small that I would fit in my pocket, but something that I can easily just pull out, kind of rifle through. And it sounds really weird, but I only ever keep one page of notes. One page, one side of one page, I write down uh, quest my questions. And on the back of that page is where I jot down all the cues when, that I send to Yan. So, and I try to keep them both on one page so that when the episode comes out, I know we're completely done and I rip the page out of my notebook and I throw it away. And uh, it sounds crazy, but that's my whole process. So... I'll just include, uh, you know, questions that come up off the top of my head. Some some of them, I mean, I've been do doing this for long enough now where I kind of have an, I know to, I don't need to write down like, how do you pay your bills? Because I know I'm going to work that in there somewhere anyway. But uh, yeah, I just, um, you know, my thinking is that if I can get into an interview with maybe three or four really interesting, provocative hooks, then the rest will just, will hang on those hooks, will build off those. So yeah, that's my thing is like, how, what is the most interesting angle to the, all of this? Um, yeah, that's it. It's one little page. In fact, maybe I'll take pictures and post pictures on the Facebook page or something like that of what it looks like. I just, and I've gone through probably five little notebooks since starting this thing. Some episodes I know, I know the person so well, or I know their music so well, I don't need to even take that many notes because I, I know what I'm going to say. But they're just triggers, and it's never word for word. You guys may have noticed, <laughs> for better or worse, I don't write down the intro or the outro or the middle section because I don't want to feel like I'm reading. I just, uh, I'll, I'll jot down a trigger, and that will remind me to, you know, say this stuff or go off on this tangent or whatever. That's kind of how I do it. So That's interesting because that's how I do presentations. Yeah, and I think... Uh, not to get, I hope this isn't too weird, but I think our Mormon upbringing has a lot to do with this. Honestly, Yan, maybe you feel this way too. So in, when you're Mormon, you don't have, there's not a preacher or a minister that's leading everything. It's very, it's all the, the parishioners, I guess the members get up and give talks, a lot of talks and they teach classes. And having done that my whole life, it's, I don't, public speaking is not difficult to me. I don't, that's why I don't write things down word for word because I'm so used to giving talks or t teaching classes where if I did that, I would be afraid that I would bore everybody. So I just, I have a whole system. I have little 
squiggles that I'll put on my notes that I know mean certain things. And uh, it's usually just a key word or phrase that reminds me this is where I'm going to say, you know, two minutes worth of things that I want to say. Do you find that too, Yan? Do you find that it's easier because of our experience doing those kinds of things? Yeah, but, but say, so like say if I do a presentation for work or something, I'll just put bullet points in in my stuff and I'll just, I, I, if it's something I know well, yeah. I can just go. Just yeah. put a bullet point and just go. Yeah, that's it. So there have been a few on here where I, you know, I'm less familiar. Maybe it's a listener request or something like that. Um, and so I might have more involved notes than otherwise. But no, that's pretty much how I do it. It's mostly, uh, it's just triggers on a piece of paper that remind me to, you know, channel certain information out of my brain. I do wonder sometimes if I were to do these interviews in person, how different it would be. Because I'm not constantly studying, looking at my notebook, but it is there as a reference point if I need it. But if I were sitting across from somebody at a table looking them in the eye, would it feel strange to refer to my notes? I don't know. So I don't know how different it would be if I was face-to-face. -face. It's kind of a luxury not being face-to-face -face so I can refer to my notes when I need to. But anyway, good question, Jim. Uh, Matt Barkley asks, who asked for stuff to be cut out after the interview? Um, that's happened a few times, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I will say most of the time it's tame stuff. Don't you think it's not as it's not as like juicy as you might think, you know, someone says something and then I always preface every interview by saying, if you say something, if I ask you something you don't want to talk about, tell me and we'll cut it out. And if you say something and later on regret it, tell me and we'll cut that out, too. So I start every interview with that exact speech and. Um, yeah. Only a few, you know, it's happened a few times, but it's usually not some super salacious thing that you would think. Don't you find, Yan? Yeah, yeah. It's just, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah, yeah. It's nothing too major. Um, one example, I, I, and I probably shouldn't give too many examples because that's why they asked me to cut these out. But um, one that I will tell you is, and I've told the story before, but when I interviewed Bill Janovitz from Buffalo Tom, we were talking about Mark Marin, and I said to him, you should, why have you not been on WTF? You would be the perfect person. If he's already a fan, you should go on Mark Marin." And he said, oh, well, actually, I'm scheduled to go on there at the whatever, whatever date it was. And um, I was really proud of myself that I thought of that. Well, afterwards, he asked me to cut that out, understandably, because he didn't really want to jinx it. You know, if our show comes out and it says that he's scheduled to talk to Mark Marin, and then something happens and it doesn't work out, he looks funny. So I honored that. I understood. So I cut that part out. And then he ended up going on Mark Marin, and it all worked out. But normally uh, there's been a couple of times where people have said something that's not too, too crazy and we've cut it out, but nothing major. Usually it's oftentimes people being a little overly sensitive, like uh, when I interviewed Tony Lewis from the outfield, we were talking about John Spinks is partner and his musical partner who's now passed away um dying and tony was afterwards very worried that he may have said something that was i don't know said the wrong thing which he didn't really 
but he was very sense overly sensitive to John's memory. And so he asked us to kind of trim that down. That happens a little bit. The PM Don one that I mentioned earlier, we had to do that one twice because I talked to Jarrett and he unloaded. And then a couple of days before that episode was supposed to come out, his Prince B's wife found out about it, demanded to hear it and put the kibosh on it. And so uh, we had to reschedule. We did it again a couple of months later and he was a lot more careful in what he said. Not a lot was la- lost in the in the difference, maybe a, just some emotion, a little bit of emotion, but, and then um, one other one that I, I'll mention is Max Carl. Uh, so Max and I had this great conversation. I love Max. He was so nice. And after, and I said, well, you know, thanks a lot, Max. That was great. This will come out in a few weeks. And he proceeded to start asking me a lot of questions. Oh, Lamoureux, where does that name come from? What's your background? What's your ancestry? And um, some of it ties back to Mormonism. And so we were talking about the Mormon pioneers and all this kind of stuff. And at the time it felt, I felt so, it felt so selfish to leave that in the episode. And if you remember, we did first. So the first, I don't know, 100 people that heard that, heard the part with our more candid conversation about me uh, happening afterwards. And then I just chickened out. It just, I never want anyone any guest to think that i'm i'm i don't know taking an honest moment a sincere moment between the two of us and putting it out there for fodder for the sake of the show and i got really uh i chickened out and so i asked you to cut it all out do you remember that yep yeah i probably didn't need to do that it was actually a really sweet conversation he was nice to ask those questions and uh we left it in when robin scott did it but um, back then it didn't feel right, and so I took it out. I probably overthought it. Uh, okay, a couple more. I gotta let's. We're. I'll try and hurry this up. Uh, also, uh, Adam Foster. Adam's the guy who got us Bob's Bob Rock. So thank you, Adam. Uh, could you outline your production process a bit? I'm guessing that others might be interested in how you put the show together. So um, I think I mentioned this before. This is where you will come in, Yan. So I uh, I just. I keep a list on my phone, those notes in the notes section of people I think might be interesting. There's a couple hundred names on there. Anytime I get a new idea, I just add it to my list. And nowadays I have so many things in motion, people that I've reached out to that I'm waiting to hear back from, people who uh, request, somebody sent a request and I thought that sounded good. And so I jotted down a note to get on it. Um, people I'm waiting for confirmation, whatever. There's so many things in play now at all times that I don't even really refer to the the list very often anymore, but I keep it. So um, I will get an idea that somebody sounds interesting and uh, I'll either try to find them on Facebook or check out a webpage if they have it, click contact. Hopefully I hear back. Probably two thirds of the people I reach out to, I never do hear back from. Um, if they agree, if it doesn't go through a publicist, that's even better because it's directly me, me and the person. If it goes through a publicist, that's okay too, I guess. Uh, we coordinate a time. I go through the process I already mentioned earlier with my notes on one side of the page. We do the interview and then uh, what episode comes out when is often almost like a puzzle. Like what what would fit here, you know, or what have I been holding on to for a while and what should, or what should I put out? What's the timing is good. Anyway, 
uh, I'll decide that this is the week that we should go with whatever. And uh, I go back, I listen to the interview. I On the other side of that piece of paper, I'll write down all my notes. Uh, intro song is this. Start at one minute and 30 seconds. Trim this, insert this, play this song here, play this part of this song here, cut this part out. There's usually, I don't know what, 10 to 15 little cues on there. Outro. Uh -huh. And then I email all of that to you, uh, I don't know, four or five days usually before that Tuesday. And then yeah, so, usually like the Thursday, usually like the Thursday. Yeah, I try to do or it by the Thursday. I know nowadays you probably you I think do these like the night that night. And so I'm not as strict about it. But um, anyway, so I I send you that email with all the cues. And then what do you do? So basically, what I, I then take that and I'll go through it and I'll start split. And depending on how much time I have, I'll import it into either Logic Pro or into GarageBand. And, and I say it that way because most of our listeners are, are US-based. I'll import it into one of them and I'll start making the splits based on what, you, what you've indicated you want. Mm -hmm. And I'll listen to it and I'll... I'll go through that split point and I'll see if that's really the best fit for where you want the song cut to come in. And then I take it and then I go grab all the, all the music. Mm -hmm. I should say some of it I own already. So I just send you the files via WeTransfer or if I don't have it, I'll send you a link on YouTube and you get it from there. And some of it I own. Yeah. Some of it you have, or you'll go buy or whatever. Yeah. So if I don't have it, I usually I'll usually try and go buy it. But I do have quite a, a chunk, and then I then when I go find the when when I when I've got the song, I'll usually try and run it oh, about ten seconds, where the from no sound to up to the the play the full play volume that we're using in the in the episode i take it over about a 10 second period to try and sort of gradually bring it up and then i'll go find a sometimes uh, usually try for about a minute mm -hmm. but sometimes the the right stop point in the song might not be right at a minute it might be a little bit before that or a bit after that and then i'll run it down for about 10 seconds get it underneath the, the talking and try and get it as smooth as possible and then when when it's ready uh, once the once the build file is done I go ahead and hit the piece to 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 build the episode out of it and it'll go and it'll try and normalize it'll try and normalize volumes and then uh, close to the the close to the zero decibel mm -hmm. and then I'll go import it into Podbean. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it used to be that you would send me the final version and I would post it, but, um, I was using my work laptop, my Mac and I upgraded to Sierra or whatever it's called. And suddenly I couldn't post them anymore. Like the, it, whenever I would get them, it would change the file, the nature of the file and, Podbean wouldn't accept it. So now I send you the 
picture or will you uh, I'll say, you know, there's a million pictures for this guy. Pick one or this is the one I like, but pick whatever you want or whatever. And then I'll send you the description and uh, you'll post it whenever you're done. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Which is usually Tuesday night. So. Yeah. And I usually start on a Monday night. So. Oh, do you? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. That's it. That's the process right there. Okay, Andy. Andy Shaw, our friend. Is there anything you would like to do on the show, but don't, as you aren't sure of the audience's reaction, i.e. another Joyce Heiser type of celebrity interview? And what would you like to see happen in 2019? Uh, well, I've already sort of laid out plans for 2019. We're going to still do recaps, just maybe a little less frequently. I'm really excited about this deep dive idea. We might insert some promotional things here and there of previous guests who have things that have since done things that they want to let the audience know about. As far as plans, I just wish, I mean, you and I, how off, how many times, Yan, have we talked about how much we just wish we could quit our jobs and have this be our job, you know? Oh, <laughs> I would totally love to do that. Oh, I can't. me too. I know. I know. So I don't know what more to do. I mean, we do the very best we can to put out a quality product every week and I feel really good like we do and finding you know the right audience is the greatest challenge I've ever known it's next to impossible to just make sure that these get in front of the people who would care so I continue to kind of chip away at figuring that out so I guess for 2019 I just want to maintain and hopefully grow if possible but it's so hard uh as far as I do something there for 2019 I definitely want to do and really what yeah what i think uh, what i think i'll do is i'll open open it up to if any of our listeners have expertise then i really want to get our website finished ah, that's and right. up and running if we have any listeners that are are good with web stuff that want to help out then i'm happy to and let them work with me and and uh, we'll get it finished because I'd, I'd really like to get a, a store up where where we link back to Ryan's Amazon mm -hmm. stuff so that they can buy it direct from our website. That's right. Yeah. That was another thing that I thought of um, with, because it's just you and me doing this and I'm technically inept. So all that stuff falls to you. That was one of the things that I thought was nice about um Paul Underwood offering to check to help out once in a while is that that will if we can throw the occasional episode to Paul to produce then that frees you up a little bit maybe to you know have some time to think about the website or whatever else I don't know I just all the help we can get technically from people is always welcome so yeah uh, and technically I'm fine for what I'm wanting to do with the website and just I need more time. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't I know it, man? I hear you. Um, as far as uh, other types of interviews, I would. I wish Yan and I could just do podcasts every day, you know? And we had one for music and we had one for athletes. I would love to do one where like, you know, you work your whole life to be a professional baseball player and you sign a 17-day contract in the majors and it doesn't get renewed and you're done. What do you do with the rest of your life? That interests me. Actors and actresses, you know, like the Joyce Heiser episode we had on. I love that. That was a dream come true. And I, uh, I might try and insert a few more of those. You know, if we, 
if I talk to somebody who has this, I don't see in my mind, I try to keep this all very organized and I'm sure no one else out there cares about it like I do. Like it, well, it doesn't make sense to make it make the Tuesday episode with an actor or actress if it doesn't tie back to music. In my mind, that's how it works. But in you guys' mind, you probably don't care. So I need to find ways to get around that. I will tell you, we're recording this on Sunday. This next week, I have six interviews uh, lined up. And I think three of them are with people who have a sort of Hollywood tie. There's a music tie as well, but there's also, you know, a movie, a big movie tie. And I'm not just talking about soundtracks, but maybe they were also actors or actresses or that kind of thing too. So um, I might diversify a little bit. There, <laughs> there is one interview I am dying to do, and I'm sure none of you will care. This is going to be odd. I know. Yeah, do you have any idea... I ask because he's Irish. Have you ever heard of a chef named Rory O'Connell? I haven't. Okay. I didn't know if he was a big deal over there. I know you're in Scotland, not Ireland, but I didn't know. So a few months ago, it's a Friday afternoon. What's that? He's on TV, I guess. He's on TV. Yes. Oh, I, I barely watch any TV. Okay. He's a chef. So a few months ago, it's a Friday afternoon and I was the TV was on something, and on PBS is this cooking show with this Irish guy, this older Irish guy, so avuncular, so nice, named Rory O'Connell. I've never in my life watched a cooking show. But for whatever, I was doing something else. I think I was probably yelling at the kids to clean the house or something like that. And this cooking show was on, and I was so taken by this guy and how sweet he seemed and his accent and being Irish, I don't even necessarily like the food that he's making, but I find him so fascinating. Every time I watch his, and now I watch the show, and I don't even, I don't even like the cook, but I watch the show because he is like, I am just transfixed by this guy, and he's some Irish chef who has a show on PBS, and I want so badly to interview him, but it has nothing to do with anything that we that we do on this podcast. But I might just do it anyway because I find him interesting. So you guys may see an interview at some point with a chef named Rory O'Connell. And I ha I don't even know if any of you even know who I'm talking about. So, And you've never heard of this guy. Yeah, but then that's not a surprise because okay. I, I really don't. I yeah. sometimes watch uh, like an hour on a Saturday night, but other than that, during the week, nothing. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, I don't even know if he's a big deal over there. I know nothing about him, but I have been so tempted to try and track him down and see if he would talk to me. And of course, we'd I'd ask him like what his favorite songs are or whatever, but that may happen because I want so badly to interview this guy. Uh, okay, one of our Australian listeners, William Rogan, I know that you have featured a number of Australian acts in your podcast. Is it just your inquisitive nature that led you to discovering these artists? Or am I mistaken, and our artists, of whom I'm very proud, are better known overseas than I thought? I've mentioned this many times before. I can't stress this enough. I was lucky to grow up in Salt Lake City in the 80s because they have a very vibrant alternative rock culture there. And they still do. And it's, not, and it's very 80s. They love their 80s. And so bands like Real Life... I mean, if you're Australian, David Sterry, not you, Yan, but William or anyone else listening, David Sterry from Australian band Real Life, 
He comes on the show. I tell him I'm from Salt Lake City, and he immediately replies with, oh, that's one of our favorite places to play. They loved us. It was the best place to party. Who knew? So bands like Hoodoo Gurus and and um, not Don Mariani so much from, uh, well, he's from a million bands. I discovered him much later. But yeah, I mean, it was, I just grew up steeped in alternative music in the 80s, and it's still my favorite. And it's because Salt Lake City was a hot, hotbed for that stuff. Bands didn't come through co on, in concert very often, but it did get played on the radio a lot. And that's what has fed all of this. So I don't seek out specifically Australian or Canadian or whatever bands, but I like what I like. And it's because I grew up listening to that stuff on the radio. So anyway. Well, they got some good actors. So. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah. I mean, I love that stuff. But I don't, I, uh, no, it didn't, to William's point, it isn't like I'm sitting here like, I really love especially Australian artists it's i just like the stuff that i was played on alternative radio in salt lake city growing up i know that it seems crazy that salt lake city would be such a hotbed but it was so these are all just bands that i like you know and and you discover you know you discover the hoodoo gurus and then you discover don mariani or you find you listen to real life and then you listen to models or um Eurogliders. I'm just thinking of other Australian bands. I love all those, but it's because I, you know, I learned about them back in the day. Um, okay, last but not least, Paul Underwood sends us a question. Uh, what type of answer from a guest starts to bore you? Wants examples. And have you ever misjudged an episode's popularity? Uh, Regularly. Oh, I knew you would say that. <laughs> Oh my God. I love that you just said that. Yeah. The, the email, whenever uh, I mentioned after I listened to an episode and I jot down all the cues and email them to Yan, how does almost every email start, Yan? Uh, I don't know how this one's going to turn out. <laughs> I don't know if You're anyone's going to. worried about it. Being I, uh, yeah. I don't know if anyone's going to like this one. I, uh, I can't tell if it's good enough. Yeah, that every, pretty much every, I am wrong all the time. For instance, we're not talking about it because it came out technically in January on the 1st, but Tower of Power with Emilio Castillo, that's one of our biggest episodes of the last six months. It, thankfully, because they took, they promoted the hell out of it. And it's been, it, the numbers have been really big for that one. That was one I had small, I had small uh, hopes for. I thought, I don't know if anyone's going to care. I like Tower of Power. I think he's really interesting, but he talks about spirituality. Maybe that's not what people want to hear, even though I think it's really fascinating. Um, it's R&B. I don't know if our listeners care. Thankfully, it totally took off. I am almost always wrong in these situations. And often it's a case of you wondering whether it's going to do well and you're worried about it. And then you listen to it and I, I get a message back and it'll be there when I wake up. I'm like, that was awesome. Well, and I don't even, I mean, that that's like every episode. I, I mention, I email you back for the ones where I'm especially surprised, but I that goes for pretty much every episode that, every, that ever comes out. Um, and I always think I got to let Yan know because I want him to know how grateful I am. Yeah, I'm always sure that every one of these is going to fail and they're not as good as they could have been. And I didn't get, we didn't quite reach definitive level. And that's what I was going for. And then they all turn out fine. So I am 
horribly, horribly hard on myself. As far as what questions I don't, or what answers I hate, I just hate when it's boring. I love when people are weird. Alana, Alana Miles is still one of my favorite episodes. And she oh, was I a, love that one. Yes, and she was a total trip. Sin Terrence, Sananda, total trip, but it's never boring. It may, it may be weird, it may be uncomfortable to listen to, but it's at least fascinating. I just don't like when it's boring. Um, to me, that John Hall from Orleans episode was boring. I didn't like that one. I um, yeah, I thought he was really interesting. I liked him. I did too, if he had if it had been trimmed down a little bit more. And I know you trimmed some of it as it was, but if it had been like, you know, 80% music, 20% politics instead of the other way around, it, that would have been better. I've already mentioned before, I don't like when people are in promo mode. See, this is uh, this goes back to, I've talked about this before too. There's a very fine line in doing research for these shows because, and I always go back to Clark Datchler from Johnny Hates Jazz. John, he famously left Johnny Hates Jazz at the height of their fame. I have never known why. And I love that band. And yes, I could have probably Googled it before and answered my own question. And therefore, I wouldn't have had anything really interesting to, to talk to him about. But if I had, then what's the point, you know? So I didn't. And uh, that's so that I go into these things with bringing my own curiosity, you know? I, I say this humbly. My feeling is that and I'm not showing off here. I'm just <laughs> being honest. I probably know more about music than like 95% of the people on earth. And so if I don't know the answer to something, then chances are pretty good that a lot of other people don't know either. So I use myself kind of as the litmus test. Well, if I don't know, then it must, then let's find out, you know? You're, you were always big into music anyway. Yeah. But you had the experience working for Tower Records. That did so. a big one. Yep. I worked for Tower yep. Records for a couple of years and I learned a ton in there. Another, oh, oh so I was going to tell another story about Joe Esposito. One of my favorite interviews that we did early on. The You're the best around from the Karate Kid. It's so funny. I think about him a lot because when that one came out, my wife, Farah, said, he's probably the most famous person you've had on yet. And I just think how far we've come that he was the most famous guest we'd ever had at that point. And now we've not, again, not that famous people are the point here, but it's just interesting to me how things have evolved. Anyway, I uh, read in a bunch of other interviews with him before I did ours. And he told a lot of the same stories that he had in those other interviews. Line by line, little asides, little funny bits, all the exact same. And when I hear those things, I forget that I'm the only one who did this research. I'm always afraid that all of you have heard the same or read the same thing I read and you're hearing a guest tell retell the same story and you're sitting over there like, man, John sucks that he cannot get this guy to go off script. And he's just telling the same things we've already heard. And I forget that I'm the only one who who knows that. And I'm especially hard on myself for it sometimes. And so, um, yeah, there's a fine line I found in doing my research between doing too much and doing not enough because uh, if I do, that's why I've mentioned many times, you guys will request somebody and I've heard them on another podcast. And so I don't want to talk to them because I don't want to hear those same stories because I assume you've heard those same stories, but you haven't. And I don't think about that. And so it, 
may kill my buzz, but that's why I get less excited about it. So anyway, that's a long way of saying when people are in promo mode or they've told these stories numerous times, I get a little turned off, but I have to remember that I'm the only one who probably feels that way. So anyway, it's a long story. What what bores you, Yan? Do you ever, do you have like a, oh, this guy's doing the thing that I don't like. Do you have any feelings like that? No, actually, okay. surprisingly. Hmm. Mainly, I think probably because I'm sitting listening for, oh, yeah. do I need to clean this piece? Uh, yeah, let's go. You know, I'm I'm coming from a different angle, so I'm listening to the story. So I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. Yeah. Let's tidy this up, this bit up a bit, so it sounds really good. Yeah, good point. You know, I've had ones where way way back where I've actually spliced it at individual word mm-hmm. word levels <laughs> and chopped them around the, to get it to flow correctly. So those are the questions, and that's pretty much everything that's our year in review um it was a great year i love doing this i um i beat myself up over it a lot but i i it's very uh apparent to me that if i were to stop there would be a giant hole in my life and um i'm really proud i i hope that one day people will appreciate the effort we've put into, you know, creating a a canon or a library of stories you're not going to hear other places from some of the most interesting musicians of the modern era. I really feel like we've been able to do that, Yan. Don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you if you think about what we're trying to what we're trying to do, we're trying to put people out there that. They don't. We don't hear from them enough. Yeah. They're, they're, or we don't hear from them enough in a specific market. Yeah. They may be huge in one market. They may be sm- smaller in another market. And we're ex- exposing people right. to a, a great catalog of music. Yeah. Yeah. I um. I'm really proud of what we've done, and I hope that, you know future generations appreciate it, or maybe it doesn't matter, but it matters to me. I feel like we've created a library of really valuable information here. That's my feeling. So, so, so you know, like, for example, why is the, why is the yacht rock so, so much bigger in <laughs> Asia than it is in the States? Right. Well, and I mean, you probably find this too. I mean, now talking to, you know, 250 people or whatever, you start learning these little things like that. You know, somebody will mention that over and over. And it's, boy, that must really be a thing. Who knew? You know, um, I don't even ask so much the royalty rate questions as much as I used to anymore because I kind of, I can tell from just the hints that they drop. Yeah, I can live off brandy from Looking Glass or whatever. Um, I get I get a sense now of what that even means. You know, it's fun. So, any last words? Uh nothing for me at the moment yeah yeah i get uh, my heart breaks a little bit when the people that i'm 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 hearing from people a lot and then they disappear and i never hear from them again i don't know whether they've gone away i don't know if they're still listening i don't know if i've offended them i don't know if they like us anymore but anyway and i think because of the new job unfortunately i can't be as responsive as i used to be 
you've probably some of you've probably noticed that I, it takes longer to get a response or I'm missing some tweets or whatever and I'm really sorry but we do the best we can to be as responsive to everybody and we're just so grateful for all of you um, I want to close it out oh I want to say another thank you to the donors Sonny and Andy thanks to Andy uh, to Aaron and Paul for filling in sometimes this year and I want to give us now that we're going to play a closeout song I also want to give a big thanks to the to the listeners of ours who allowed us to play their music as closeout songs on these recaps. There was Rob Disner. There was Three Chord Money. There was a Fraction of Which a Dot. Which I love. I know. Tuesday. Wasn't that a great song? Uh, yes. That's my, that is my, in fact, let me just say that. That is my driving home song from work, and it's on repeat all the way home I on a Tuesday it. night. I love it. I love it. You guys are, there's so many talented people out there and we just want to show, I, it doesn't make sense for us to do full episodes with you guys, but I want to show the love a little bit. So we share a fraction of a dot. We share Michael Ray Pfeiffer. We share Sloan Sauna. And this one being the last one of the year, one of our most communicative listeners, I don't even know his real name, but he is Fragile Gods. And he's a synth musician out there, like a new wave synth musician. And it's great. And this is a song called The Digital Divide. And uh, there's only there's a few singles, apparently, on on uh, Spotify. I didn't tell him that I was going to do this. But I always love to hear his commentary. Whatever your real name is, Fragile Gods, we're going to close out our year in review with one of your songs, The Digital Divide. And everything I've mentioned, all these songs are all available out there if you want to buy them on iTunes and support our other listeners. So thanks, everybody, for 2018, and we will do our best to continue in 2019.